Support for Boston Public Radio comes from the trustees. You can ring in spring at Nomkeg in Stockbridge with the annual Daffodil and Tulip Festival. Colorful seasonal blooms April 19th through Mother's Day. Advanced tickets required. More at thetrustees.org slash spring. Today on BPR Now, everybody's trashing Harvey Weinstein and Bob Corker went after Trump, but only after he decided to retire. Shouldn't real credit go to those who cast the first stone? Then medical ethicist Art Kaplan and Trump's backdoor repeal of Obamacare, including the birth control mandate. And at noon, it's Andrea Cabral and the high price of getting Manhattan DA Cyrus Vance to give the Trump offspring and Harvey Weinstein a pass. The Globe's Alex Bean fills us in on whole family cemeteries, which means, yes, Fido and all your cats are welcome. Then the man who pushed Steve Bannon out of the White House joins us on that coup, plus his visit to Bannon's lair and the prospects of his destroying the Republican Party. Then Jonathan Alsop, our wine man, on the California wildfires and the tragic damage to the Sonoma and Napa vineyards. All that coming up on Boston Public Radio 89.7 WGBH. From a transmitter atop Great Blue Hill, this is WGBH, live, local talk, Boston Public Radio. Howdy, I am Marjorie Egan. This is Boston Public Radio, 89.7 WGBH. Good morning, Jim. I just want to, hi to you. I want to piggyback on something uh, that uh, Henry said. We were at the debate last night in Roxbury, Roxvote, at the Bernie and Hole. Yeah. Good for them. Uh, good for the organization, pulling this thing together. It was a spirited debate. It was great. And uh, as Henry said, ours, the only one on TV and radio, will be October 24th. And by the way, I was putting together some questions. I have a lot of questions. So if you could limit yours, I would really, <laughs> I really... <laughs> Uh, is that a is that, okay? Maybe Jim, can I, I like at least one question. Okay, okay. They can do one in each segment. Is that, we'll talk about. Actually, we should talk about that off the air. No, only kidding. Don't send email. So Martin no, Luther King. Not really. No, actually. yes, I am. Martin Luther King said it's October twenty fourth. Martin Luther King said the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. But does the measure of a man or a woman matter if the end result is the same? Take latest news, for example. We have Senator Bob Corker speaking out against Trump. We have Gwyneth Paltrow and Angelina Jolie speaking out against Weinstein. But all of them, as King would have said, are doing so from a place of comfort and convenience. Corker, calling Trump reckless, likening the White House to an adult daycare center, is doing so with immunity that comes with not running for re-election. Jolie and Paltrow are speaking out, not as aspiring actors, but from the perch of their established Oscar Award-anointed celebrity. So we're opening up the lines asking you if taking a stand counts, or at least counts as much if doing so is without consequences. 877-301-8970. For example, does Colin Kaepernick's protest mean more? Since he's clearly paying a personal price, his entire football career is at risk. What about Eminem Tuesday night at the BET Hip Hop Awards? And his anti-Trump stand is obviously going to cost him some fans. Or does it not matter if the ends transcend the means? 877-301-8970. I think I overstated. I don't mean it doesn't matter. It, I, I guess what I meant is I really – I admire more those who oh, do things when they know that they're – I mean, I, it's great that these football players have the courage now to take a knee. Let's see what happens Sunday. But Kaepernick is the one 
who led the charge and knew he was paying a uh, he has. A price. I mean, he's basically been blackballed, no pun intended. Oh, I mean, yes. That's the theory is that uh, uh, while he's older and so forth, that he's a lot better than a lot of other people that are on teams right now exactly. playing as quarterbacks. By the way, if people haven't seen the Eminem uh, uh, rap, it's really uh, something. We're going to play some in a few minutes. Yeah, he kind of he really leaves no uh, <laughs> insult on unturned. And a lot of his fans are really, really upset because a lot of his fans are um, Trump voters and they've let him have it on social media. By the way, a lot of other... You mentioned some interesting people. Uh, Phil Saviano. Who oh, is, Phil is Saviano a, was, was a guy who who uh, really was the big whistleblower in the Catholic Church scandal and went to the Boston Globe and told them he knew all these priests and, and they didn't believe him at, at the beginning. And he kept coming. He kept coming. He kept coming. At the time, you know, he's a gay guy and he uh, it was HIV positive. He was in a very difficult position and he's a real courageous hero. You want and, another you know, example? You mentioned Martin Luther King. Yeah. I mean, how people in the civil rights movement, we forget, yeah. they were writing out their last will and testament before they went to some of these marches and protests in full anticipation that they might be killed. Did I ever tell you the story when I, I'm not going to go into all the details, but when oh I was involved, God, no, go. I'm not. This march that I was involved in, let's put it this way, in Mississippi when I was legal services lawyer, and it was in support of this lawyer, Lou Myers, who was this crusading legal services lawyer doing incredible work for the community down there. When I went to his house to meet him on the day of the march, you know what his wife told me? I always give him an extra hug. Just matter of fact, I always give him an extra hug when he leaves for work because I know I may never see him again. Literally, in a not to be you know to impress. It's just it's the reality. But and you did the right thing, Jim. Oh, stop you it! You get on the bus. Okay, fine. Now, in any case, Dixie I'm a Chicks, big chicken myself. Dixie Chicks are another example. I mean, they're they took great risk. Yep. Criticized was it W. They criticized, right? I mean, do they, they have a career they, since? They criticized, the, yes, in the war. You in see Iraq. the film, the great documentary about I, them. All I their did. bookings canceled, all that sort of stuff. So we want to know if it matters. I mean, obviously, at any stage in the game, it's good to speak from a position of principle and do the right thing. But don't you admire more those who who oh, know that there is likely to be a huge consequence for their their courage? Well, Michael uh, uh, Michael Cohen is writing about this in the Globe. He has a great line at the end of his column where he says, "If, as Robert F. Kennedy used to say, the hottest places in hell are reserved for those who, in time of moral crisis, preserve their neutrality, then says Cohen, what's the fate of those who continue to put their political and professional advancement ahead of what's best for the country?" Eight seven seven three. So where are you on this thing in terms of how you perceive people who ultimately, who do say the right thing? And does it matter to you when and in what circumstance they end up saying it? Max in a car, you're first on Boston Public Radio. Thank you much for calling. Hi. Hi. Are you there? We are. If we said hi, we must be. Hi. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. That's you okay. Know, what I was thinking of is, is that when people take a knee, it, it has no disrespect meant to the flag. I agree. Right. It's their freedom of thought, okay? And it's saying that they, they, they have issue when they're talking about racism at the time. By the way, this is a horrible connection. We've got to let you go. But I, we have spoken to this. We agree. It is a, with all due respect, for the most part, is it a tactic by those who say it? Because if you engage in the real debate about racial injustice in this country, you get ba- if you're opposing the players, then you've got to say there's not racial injustice. Like Mike Ditka said, no oppression in the last hundred years. So what you do is you change the subject, which is what the president and others have done and said it's about disrespecting the flag. But in all fairness, it's not just the president. We had a conversation with Seth Moulton the other day, who's mm-hmm. no fan of the president's. Mm-hmm. One half of him is a, you know, a guy who did four tours of duty. Shares that uh, 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 notion. Yeah, but you know, uh, uh, he's also he's also not an African American. 
And I think you view it differently if you are an African-American. Did you hear what Joe Namath? Did you hear what played Joe Namath Joe on the show Namath last night? Joe Namath was great. I have never walked I, in a black man's shoes. Exactly. Oh I love Joe Namath. It was so incredible. If people don't know this. He was on Fox and Friends. Yeah. And they were, they asked the him about The president's favorite this. show. They asked him about this taking a knee thing. And I suspect they thought since he uh, went to college in Alabama, you pointed out he was from Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. I thought he was from Alabama. He no. wasn't. But anyway, and, and was a kind of a southern boy type. Even though he New wasn't York, a southern. Yeah, I agree. Jess, I bet they expected him to trash was, the NFL players and instead instead he gave this moving the, soliloquy about race race in America and I was like, Oh boy, Joe Namath, you go. Eight seven seven three zero one eighty nine seventy. He's had his own problems. Well, but but I I believe he stopped drinking after yes. that thing, which is one of the reasons he was so terrific on Fox and, you know, and Friends. Speaking of speaking of this is a totally different thing, but I do remember Joe Namath predicting that they were gonna beat Guaranteed. The, he guaranteed the, yeah, it. the Baltimore Calls at the time when the AFC had never beaten Super Bowl three. Uh, uh, what are they called? NFC. Then? The NFC in those no, I don't days. think it was NFC. NFL and the AFL is Whatever what it was. It was, in those it days, was yeah. the American League team and never beaten yeah. the National League team, and he 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 guaranteed it and he uh, pulled it off. Tom and Norton, you're next on Boston Public Radio. Thank you for calling. Hi. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I I, I feel that uh, anybody who stands up uh, in the face of physical or sexual or uh, racial abuse, you know, no matter what they're their station in life should be commended for it. In fact, as somebody who who has some, some power and recognition or whatever, sort of provides cover for, for the people who who don't, you know, and it's a little umbrella for them to, to kind of climb under, which we don't have much of. I think that... the last election, the last election, and uh, uh, it really showed how welcoming the country is to, to people who, who stand up to sexual abuse. I, mean, I would think it would take quite a bit of, quite a bit of uh, courage for for even established actresses to to come out in the, in the face of uh, how a large number of people feel, and you know admit that they they were victims. I listen. I I am. I guess I'm three quarters with you. I'm glad to have any voice who is on the side of justice and equality. But the voices that I admire most, not that I don't admire the others, are the ones who take the greatest risk. But you make a fine point there, Tom. Thank you much for the call. 877-301-8970. We're talking about the penalty uh, uh, free protester. Does taking a stand count if you are not taking a risk? That conversation continues on 89.7 WGBH, Boston Public Radio. This is Boston Public Radio on WGBH, made possible thanks to listener contributions. Your support of just $10 or $20 a month keeps all these great conversations coming your way. Please take a moment to give now at WGBHnews.org or call 888-897-9424. Okay, listen to what we've got today. We have great gifts every single day during Pledge Week. Today, we've got this WGBH mini Bluetooth speaker. It's about like an inch and a half tall and maybe an inch and a half wide. And the speed, I mean, the sound coming out of it is just unbelievable. You can stream WGBH from any digital device. You can use it with any Bluetooth-enabled device. You just switch it on your phone and the tablet finds it. It's really got a great uh, stereo sound. How do you get it? Well, you get it by supporting WGBH and everything that goes on here. You can give $10 a month, uh, $10 a month, and we will thank you with our great little mini Bluetooth 
speaker. The number is 888-897-9424 or wgbhnews.org. And by the way, or you can do 120 in one shot. I don't know if you mentioned that. It's a 10 bucks a month that, versus – you did or you didn't? I did not, Jim. It's only available at 7. You know what I've noticed? You The smaller the gift during Pledge Week uh-huh. – the more enamored of it you are. You love these little – I love little tiny things too. But if it's tiny and it functions well, and this speaker really is fabulous, this Bluetooth-enabled device, a large thing, you love that kind of thing. Well, it's kind of shocking to me. I remember the days Shock. of those huge speakers that were like four feet tall. You had to lug them around home, from apartment to apartment. And this is a little tiny thing with better sound. And, and uh, we said it to you yesterday. We're going to say this nonstop during Pledge Week. Not only do we need money because it supports the work that we and all of our colleagues in the newsroom do – it also is a huge, is the right word, psychological, it's a huge lift for people who work really hard to know that you not only care enough to listen to what we do, but you also care enough to put your money where your ears are, which is really means a huge amount to us. I want to thank Hope from Newton Center, Glenn from Jefferson, Suzanne from Arlington, who says she listens to many shows, including Jim and Marjorie. Thank you very much. And it's not just our show, obviously. It's everything that goes on here. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, from great news reporting to great reporting out of our newsroom upstairs uh, to all the great uh, shows you hear, the world, you know, uh, everything that goes on here. This is what you're contributing to. I also love that show, Greater Boston, on TV. I love Greater the Boston. show. I love the host. That's true. It's it fabulous. is the award-winning Greater Boston. Fabulous. And it's, a, it's an unbelievable <laughs> show. All of Boston is talking about it every day. I hope so. The number is 888-897-9424-WGBHnews.org. And one last thing about this, if you're saying, do I do the 120, and by the way, we'll take anything you got. If you can do 100 anything. a month, that's great. If you can do $5, whatever it is. We're not proud. If you want to pay it in one lump, that's great. The $10 a month thing, the sustainer thing, means you'll know that it's a smaller amount, but you'll know every month what it's going to cost, and our budget people know every month what they're going to take in. So you make the choice. We're thrilled to have you. 888-897-9424 or WGBHnews.org. Welcome back to Boston Public Radio. Jim Brady and Marjorie. And we're talking about what I think Marjorie called the risk-free rebellion. I love that term. Does taking a stand count if you aren't taking a risk? Or I should say, does it count as much? Bob Corker is a recent example since he's not running for re-election senator from Tennessee. When he talks about World War III, the adult daycare center, would have packed more of a punch if he had done so, if he had something to lose. Keeping in mind, by the way, that when Corker was not was running for re-election and wanted to be vice president, he was providing a lot of cover. Do you remember this during the campaign Absolutely. for candidate uh, Trump? Uh, so where are you on this? 877 8970. Yeah. I'm sorry. You know, before you go to the calls, sure. I think I, I must admit, uh, and I think I'm not alone in this, I mean, having uh, been at work before the Anita Hill generation. Um, I was among those people that, we, we, you know, when these sexual harassment things went on, we knew about them and people didn't tell. So uh, I guess I wasn't very courageous. Well, you pay a price. I mean, you pay a big, you pay a price. And Shannon in Rhode Island, you're first or next, I'm sorry, on Boston Public Radio. Thank you very much for calling. Hi. Hi there. Thanks. Um, hi, Jim. Hi, Marjorie. Thanks for having me on. Hi. Um, what I wanted to say was that um, I think that it speaks a lot to the race culture in our country that women feel like they have to wait so long and have so much distance um, from, you know, some sort of sexual abuse or trauma to speak out about it. Um, if you looked at Bill Cosby and the amount of time that it took for women to speak out about that yeah. and then um, moving forward into Harvey Weinstein and then um, and also this woman has come out against Ben Affleck as well. Um and then the other thing I wanted to say is that I do think that it takes kind of people in power and people with privilege to speak out in order for others to feel comfortable about it. I think that if people see that 
um, there are people in power speaking out and that they're not getting, you know, that much backlash or they're getting support, then they may feel more comfortable to come out in their everyday lives. Than Shannon, can I, s- or take a stand. I agree with that. But one of the, the most powerful parts of what happened in the Catholic Church here to me, and whether it was from the reporting or the, the movie, is these were ordinary people leading, you know, ordinary lives who showed incredible courage. And then it was the fact that other ordinary people showed courage that convinced others but, to but the add their hand, name to that list. Shannon's got a great point, though, because a lot of people did complain. A lot of mothers uh, accosted mm-hmm. their pastors and accosted the bishop and wrote letters to Cardinal Law. But the people in power just either lied and said, okay, don't worry, we're going to take care of it, or they or they just, you know... Yeah, but there were pushed. never any rich and powerful people who all of a sudden gave cover for the the survivors who who ultimately did have their day, right? right? No rich and powerful people at the beginning gave cover. You know something, Shannon? I often wondered, because less often today, but certainly 20 or 30 years ago, there were very few women bosses. And I wonder if if more women would have gone forward about these sexually harassing male bosses if they had a woman Mm. to go tell. You know, um, I certainly didn't when I was a young reporter. What do you think about that, Shannon? That's a really good question. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I I think that's completely true. I think myself as a woman, I would feel more comfortable talking to another woman about it than with a man. I think that men can be wonderful allies, but I think that the amount of empathy that you can get from another woman and the amount of understanding is, is just different. Yeah, it's, it, there was Shannon, a great for the call. line from the reporter from the New York Times who talked about going to her editor about her story because she said she had the Weinstein mm-hmm. story like back in 2004. And he said to her, well, you know, why does this matter? He's not a public official. You know, what, what's the big deal mm-hmm. here? <laughs> you know, there's a certain attitude. This is a private company. He did what he wanted in his private company. Is this affecting the... Uh, you know, the interest rates? No, it's not. Eric and Swampscott, you're on Boston Public Radio. Thanks for calling. Thanks for having me, Jim and Marjorie. Uh, I first have a comment, and that is the risk-free environment. You know, it seems as if from the start when Colin Kaepernick started this, it was very high risk, and now it's easier. 250 players can take a knee. Um, but interestingly, now the debate is different, and it swung to the point that, you know, a, a neighbor of mine said to me, um, well, why are these people in this country if uh, they don't want to uh, honor the flag? Oh, and the debate God. immediately comes, comes to the point where you say, why are you in this country if uh, you think that they shouldn't be allowed to protest? And so now the risk is if you don't stand up for that point. So I first want to make that point. Do you see the debate being, having that spectrum? Having what? The spectrum of the debate has now changed. Oh, of course. We mentioned this 15 minutes ago. Eric, you know, this is the last refuge of scoundrels, if you ask me, because we hear this during during the Vietnam War. If you protest the Vietnam War, you were dishonoring the flag. You were not standing up for the great men and women who had given their lives and and blood and treasure in Vietnam. You were a traitor. I mean, you heard this during Iraq. We talk about Mm -hmm. the Dixie, Dixie Chicks. We were going into a war, which now turns out to have been a total and complete disaster. But if you criticized the president, and his policy, or you criticize, you were seen you as not America. you hated America. You know, go to Canada. You didn't like the troops, all the kind of stuff. So this is just the same baloney that we've had at every stage of our history. I would say when people criticize the powers that be, uh, and you know, it's not that new. What's your second point, Eric? So the second point is how do we get then to these, let's say, dignified in this case, Republican senators? to be more like John McCain, like Olympia Snow, who are, they spend their lives in the public service. They are, they are intelligent, and they're seeing this debate. So why are they 
Why are the rest of them, I'm not talking about the Tea Party, why are they hiding and shirking from this, what I see as a responsibility at this point, well, to fly the flag, say this is your Jeffersonian kind of principles uh, that are universal, and I don't understand why they're hiding. How do we get to them to, to make I, them I, feel like part of their career is, is based on this standing up? I can't answer that question, but I had almost the exact same feeling thought you did last night. I'm thinking, I'm reading some of Senator Corker's uh, comments about the president, and I'm despairing of the fact that he says the vast majority of his Republican colleagues agree with him and none of them have said it. But then I say to myself, isn't it amazing that not one of those colleagues has stood up to disagree with him? I mean, a guy says the president of the United States is leading us to World War III. He's in an adult daycare center, et cetera, et cetera. And so I guess they're halfway there, but uh, I'm with you. Well, I think the answer is pretty clear, that they're afraid that someone like Steve Bannon is going to run a more conservative Republican against them in the primary, and they're going to lose their Well, job. you know, the old tired line, Eric and Marjorie, the only thing they stand for is re-election. Exactly. And that, uh, sadly, is it. Eric, thank and you. that is all your fault, of course, because what do you you're mean? in favor oh, no, of ta- endless terms in I'm Congress. I'm not in favor so they can of all be 90 years old. I actually like experience, Marjorie, and someday we'll find some common ground on this. I think experience has worked very well for us so far. <laughs> okay. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk to our medical ethicist, Art Kaplan. We're going to talk to him about Puerto Rico. You may not realize this, but an I awful lot this. of very important drugs that Americans use and need come from Puerto Rico, where basically there's not much electricity and things are in pretty bad shape. Our medical ethicist, Art Kaplan, is next on 89.7 WGBH, Boston Public Radio. It's time to support Boston Public Radio on WGBH. Listener contributions pay for the program and keep it on the air. You don't have to give much to make a difference. Please make a difference by giving now at WGBHnews.org or call 888-897-9424. I just want to say I caught Marjorie trying to stuff the little mini Bluetooth speaker in her pocket, and I find that to be an act of... It's disgraceful. Give $10 a month or $120 one time, and you'll get the little orange Bluetooth speaker. This thing, in all seriousness, is great. Marjorie loves it because it's small. I love it because it functions incredibly well. It's a great way to stream GBH, for example, from any digital device. It can be used with any Bluetooth-enabled device. You just switch it on, and your phone, your tablet, whatever, finds it. Ordinarily, it costs 180 bucks. But until 7 o'clock today, only till 7 o'clock today, we hope you'll do this before 2, by the way, when we're still on the air, 10 bucks a month or $120 in one pop, and you not only are getting this little orange mini Bluetooth speaker, but I would argue, much more importantly, you're supporting something that we hope you care as much about as we do, the work that our colleagues do here at WGBH. The number is 888-897-9424. Or WGBHnews.org. And much as I love our colleagues here at WGBHnews.org, I really appreciate your giving during the show, 11 to 2, because we get extra points. If we get, <laughs> we don't get extra points. We just like it. I can work on a deal for the little mini Bluetooth oh speaker. Kind of, if no, you know you're not I'm, getting it. You, you pay for it, you get it. Well, you know, you never know. We get a lot of, get a lot of callers. <laughs> I may be able to negotiate something. I had to pay for T-shirts last year. I mean, this is like... <laughs> I mean, really? In any case, you know, even though I'm sure the, this, uh, these pledge breaks are not your favorite thing, if we didn't have pledge breaks, you would be having commercials, and the commercials would last five, six, and seven minutes, and they would be three times an hour, sometimes four times an hour. So this is a small price to pay, I think. Uh, plus, you get these wonderful gifts, so you're really not paying any price at all. The number is 888-897-9424, WGBHnews.org. Charles from Weston, Tom from Northridge, Miles from Warren, Rhode Island, and Linda from Needham, thank you all for being kind 
kind enough to take the time and make a contribution. And as I said before, you want to do $5 a month, that's fine. You can afford $200 a month, that's even finer. Whatever you can do to be part of what we do here, and this is a way to manifest that, please uh, do it. It's 888-897-9424 or wgbhnews.org. Emails are wondering where the smug mug is, Jim. Getting a few calls. Joanna says she was eight months pregnant. Her husband was laid off, but they pledged nonetheless. They gave every cent they had in, to, to increase the chances of getting those smug mugs. That's May a reappear someday. Of Jim with his arms crossed, his know. nose up in the air. Someday. But we have a lot of other great stuff we today. Do. We've got the little mini Bluetooth speaker, and I think you will really enjoy it. Uh, it you know, it is, as Jim said, it stands up so you can hear it from anywhere, and you can stick it in your purse or in your backpack. Again, the number is eight 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 nine seven nine four two four wgbhnews.org. Welcome back to Boston Public Radio. Jim Browdy, Marjorie Egan. Puerto Rico is one of the world's biggest centers for pharmaceutical manufacturing, but the damage of Hurricane Irma is having a huge effect on production, and the FDA says we're on the brink of a drug shortage. Meanwhile, President Trump is manufacturing his own kind of prescription drug shortfall by expanding employers' rights to deny insurance coverage for birth control. Join us in line for his take on these, Trump's plan to eliminate Obamacare insurance rules by executive order, and other medical headlines is Art Kaplan, Arts of Doctors William F. and Virginia Connolly, Mitty Chair and Director of the Division of Medical Ethics at NYU's Langone Medical Center, is also the co-host of the Everyday Ethics Podcast. Hey there, Art. Hey, hey, how are you? Excellent. Well, I'm terrific, Art Kaplan. So now I know that these drugs I see advertised all the time on television, uh, Humira and Xarelto, uh, which I guess is a blood thinner. These drugs and a lot of other drugs are, are manufactured in Puerto Rico, which, of course, is in this terrible post-hurricane mess without electricity, et cetera. So what does this mean? Are we going to run out of drugs? Well, a lot of these drugs were, uh, their manufacturing was shifted to Puerto Rico through uh, an old tax incentive plan. Been, oh. The manufacturing's been going on there for quite some time. I actually was in Puerto Rico, I don't know, 15 years ago, and I saw a lot of the big companies, Pfizer and so on, with manufacturing plants there. So they've been there a long time. Uh, there isn't a lot of reserve capacity in the system. So if the electricity is off, and by the way, if you can't get water, which is also another essential component of making drugs, yeah, we could very well face shortage. And I know the president keeps saying, well, Puerto Rico was in bad shape beforehand, and I'm not sure we should send him any aid now. And he's been sort of, I don't know, demeaning the impact of the uh, devastation, saying, well, not that many people died. If these drugs go offline, uh, not only are you going to see Puerto Rico affected, but you're going to see the world affected because those drugs are sold worldwide. You know, but Art, I, I have to say, you know, we cannot keep FEMA, the military, and the first responders who have been amazing under the most difficult circumstances in Puerto Rico forever. You would agree with that, wouldn't you? I would, but... No, 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 you wouldn't. That is a no, tweet. No, no, what I mean is, oh. I mean is it can't stay there forever. But... No, but wait a second. For those who haven't, don't know this yet, this is a tweet from the President of the United States this morning right. that literally sounds like we can't keep them in this foreign country forever. <laughs> it's unbelievable. This is right. this morning. Right, so, so they are, uh, folks who don't know, citizens uh, <laughs> can vote, can uh, migrate around just like you or I to... Other states, they don't need a passport. They wouldn't be intercepted by giant walls. 
But what I meant is you've got to make a serious effort to rebuild the infrastructure. This should have been done a long time ago. The Puerto Rico has been having financial troubles for a while. Trump is well aware of that. He's sort of saying, well, what do you expect me to do, fix it? Um, which is, the answer is yes, yes, that's what we expect you to do. I noticed he issued about $6 billion of aid yesterday, but he did it as, get this, loans. Mm-hmm. Loans? They're not going to pay back anything. They don't have anything. Um, but what I mean is you need a fix that's not reliant on emergency workers. You've got to go in there and really stabilize Puerto Rico. If this was happening in uh, New Hampshire, we'd be going crazy. Wait a second. Uh, if this, no water, this just, no electricity? This just happened in Florida and Texas, and we right, didn't and we say did we can't stay yeah. there forever. Yes. And so this response morally is, let's describe it as destitute. Uh, on the part of the president. But he Thank seems you. to be, this is a separate issue, but he does, I think Trump seems to be unraveling at a kind of rapid rate at this point. There are all kinds of signals, whether it's his secretary of state calling him a moron, or now we're getting all these stories that they have to sort of rein him in from his crazy behavior. Uh, we know he's a racist. He just is a xenophobic racist, and I'm sure that part of the reason we got a response in Texas, Mississippi, uh, Louisiana, was these are uh, red states that vote for him. Partly it's who lives there racially, the composition. Um, so we're, we're getting a, a response to Puerto Rico that unfortunately is shaped by uh, bias. By the way, uh, with all due respect, you're just jealous because he could beat you an IQ test, obviously. So, <laughs> there but, you go. I, I, but on the that, but I, I saw the, the best line I saw on this IQ test thing was that he was knocked out in the first round of the cabinet IQ test by <laughs> Betsy DeVos. Betsy DeVos. Yeah, but in right. a serious note, just for 30 seconds on this, for those who are new to the show, you've been talking about for a lifetime related to this, that not only should there be independent uh, uh, medical exams of candidates, unlike what the uh, abomination from both sides in this, particularly Trump in this uh, in this campaign. But don't you believe once you hold office, you should regularly have some sort of a physical exam that might include issues of of mental competence while you're serving? Isn't that your whole shtick? Yeah, and okay. in fact, uh, every president has had an annual physical. And while we go on and on about Trump's mental state in terms of you know psycho psychological evaluation. Trump is obese. Trump could be having early signs of other, or say, a small mini strokes or other things. He hasn't taken an independent exam at Walter Reed or the places that presidents usually go. He hasn't released it. We're way past time where any responsible politician would say we want not just the candidates vetted, but we want them to take an annual physical. What if he's showing early signs of Alzheimer's, which some people suggest uh, you can deduce from speech patterns. And I'm, again, I'm not in the camp that likes to diagnose or recommends diagnosing people without an examination. But if you look at tapes of him talking 25 years ago and you listen to him now, he just, it's not the same person, believe me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. We're talking to Art Kaplan, medical ethicist. So um, speaking of what the president has been up to, the administration, of course, has uh, rolled back the birth control mandate that uh, millions and millions of American women uh, got under the Affordable Care Act. Uh, what do you make of this, Art? Well, somewhere the Taliban are happy, I guess. Um, but, you know, I, I, 
I, I can almost say, are you kidding me? So you have a basic health package of services, and the rollback is triggered by the idea that some bosses find birth control objectionable. Well, there are certainly bosses who are going to find all kinds of things that uh, we might cover in healthcare objectionable. Some people are going to say, I don't like vaccination. I think it's, you know, causing autism or some other mumbo jumbo. Or I think that uh, you don't need to get surgery. You should uh, try alternative medicine. Or a Jehovah's Witness boss who says, well, I don't think we should cover blood transfusions. You know, that's, that's against my religion. We're not going to put that into the package of benefits. Package of benefits should be determined by doctors, not by employers. There's no doubt at this point in time that birth control is a core health uh, benefit for women, and I might add for men too. A, a large number of men benefit from not having pregnancies in their careers when they don't want to have a child yet. You know, also, also, just to rant one second further, everybody behind this uh conscience clause exemption seems to be also, you know, deeply worried about abortion. Well, if you ever wanted to cause abortions, here's your path. Take away birth control. Yeah, and I'm also stunned by at the people that apparently have the moral objections to birth control because I don't see them bearing 10 and 12 children, you know, except for the Duggan family, wherever they were. I mean, you know, that, that didn't turn out too well when the older brother was sexually abusing the younger kids. I mean, they've all, they're all using birth control because nobody has big families. But you know what I can't find, Art, and maybe you know, I wondered whether vasectomies uh, and tubal ligations, you know, obviously vasectomies for men who don't want to have children anymore, mm. women for uh, tubal ligations for women, are those covered? And it, are, are vasectomies covered, or are men supposed to pay for their own vasectomies or just not have them? Or You know, that's a great question, and I don't know the answer to that. I will say this. There are some women, not a lot, but some, who use the same medicine in birth control to control skin conditions. Uh, that's right. Acne, right? Acne. Yes. So, you know, taking it away, certainly, uh, you know what you're going to see is all of a sudden we're going to have the greatest acne epidemic ever seen. <laughs> On Earth, because people are just going to write it and say, "Well, that's a medically indicated thing, and it's got nothing to do with birth control." And blah 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 blah. So, well, maybe because um, they're taking steroids. You never really know. <laughs> hey, can I ask one related thing? Uh, part of the starve the beast, for lack of a better expression, uh, tactic of the Trump administration, since he can't get repeal through Congress, he's doing it by executive order. And in all fairness, Barack Obama did a lot of yeah. things by executive order, like clean power plan, because he couldn't get it through Congress. One of the things that's about to happen is this allowing people to buy insurance across state lines. On its face, it sounds like, well, that's great. That's good competition. What's wrong with that approach, Art Kaplan? Well, they're not really regulating what's sold across state lines. Mm -hmm. To put it simply, when you're inside a state, the state insurance commission sort of regulates to make sure the insurer will actually have enough money to cover the costs. And then they get into issues like the benefits package. It may be that Trump doesn't want uh, Obamacare plans to cover uh, contraception, but a state might decide that you have to cover it, you know, within uh, mm -hmm. Vermont or something. So the problem with cross-state insurance, and I'm not opposed to that. The idea has been around as more competition, but you've got to regulate it, and there's no regulator. Okay, our Kaplan. 
We are talking to you about the latest. <laughs> that pause was because Marjorie was sighing for those who couldn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Literally. I mean, she loves uh, talking to me. I'm all good news. <laughs> just happy, happy. We're talking to Art Kaplan, our medical ethicist, going over the latest medical headlines. We're going to keep talking to him after a brief, brief break, that is. You're listening to 89.7 WGBH, Boston Public Radio. If you listen to Boston Public Radio three hours a day, that's 15 hours a week, 60 hours a month, and 720 hours a year. Maybe it's time you pitched in. Call 888-897-9424 or give online at wgbhnews.org. You know, that was a really good point, 700-plus hours a year. That's an excellent point. Yeah, we have to do it for 700-plus <laughs> But but I know, but this is our job for which we are getting oh, that's paid. Right. I forgot. So uh, for people that are willing to spend that much time listening, that's that's wonderful that you do that, and um, it would be great if you felt like maybe you could throw us a little money. Which I'm happy to say, after my pleading for gold star points mm-hmm. during the last pledge break, apparently a lot of you did call in, and I really appreciate that. I, I want to thank Barbara from Cambridge, Carolyn from New Bedford, Arnold from Mashpee, and Deborah from North Kingston, who says. You help keep me sane. That's good because sometimes I think I'm not quite holding on to my own sanity in this uh, difficult uh, political time. Anyway, here's the deal we've got for you right now. $10 a month, and we have got this wonderful little uh, Bluetooth speaker, WGBH Bluetooth speaker. It's orange, by the way, quite Mm. attractive, mini Bluetooth speaker, (laughs) little teeny tiny thing. It gives you great sound. You can attach it to any Bluetooth-enabled device. It's got the GBH logo on it, too. It's got the GBH logo on it, which is, is, you know, very very cool, very cool. And here's... Here's what you need to do, mm-hmm. uh, 120 bucks in one fell swoop or $10 a month. $10 a month is less out of your wallet, and it obviously uh, enables our planners to plan. The number is 888-897-9424, wgbhnews.org. Now, you made an interesting point, by the way, is that $10 is less than 120 I mean, who could disagree with that? Well, I mean, that alone. It's not, really. Because it's not? It's, no, it's 10 because, times 12. Is oh, I see. I know okay. you were trying to make fun of my math <laughs> problems, but I did know that. Joke. By the way, can I tell you something. We tried out this little speaker. It is really, really the sound mm-hmm. is unbelievable. Considering how tiny the thing is, it is a little tiny thing. I, know. I don't even know how big it is. Jim performed like a little rap song during it's the like, break. It's like a little. It's a really small uh, kind of thing, but it's great. And again, I want to say, I hope. I mean, this may appeal to you. It appeals to me. But much more important, I hope, is what you think you get from a contribution that transcends a little tiny mini Bluetooth speaker with a GBH logo. You support the work that we and our scores of colleagues in the newsroom do. It means a lot to us. We can't do it without you. And uh, it's every—it's really everything, psychologically, financially, et cetera. So we hope you do this. Whatever you can contribute, if it's only 5 bucks, we'll take it and we'll thank you big time. If you can do the $10 a month or 120 and get the gift as well. And if you have more money and can afford to contribute more money, please do that. The number is 888-897-9424-WGBHnews.org. And Marjorie would love you to do it in the next two hours and 17 minutes. That's right. We don't really get credit, but she feels really good about that. So... Well, Help us it's make nice her to know feel that good. People call while we're on the air. It makes me feel really me good. And, and Barbara, too. Carolyn, Deborah, and Arnold, thank you for calling 888-897-9424-WGBHnews.org. Wow. 
Welcome back to Boston Public Radio. Jim Browdy, Marjorie. And if you're just tuning in, we're talking uh, to uh, our medical ethicist buddy, uh, Art Kaplan, about the latest medical headlines. So, Art Kaplan, one of the biggest stories of the, of the of the week has been Harvey Weinstein, the guy that used to run Miramax, very powerful and influential man in Hollywood and filmmaking. Uh, I thought you might have some ethical perspective on this mess. Well, I'll say two things. One, there seems to be a lot of uh, outrage about the fact that people knew things but didn't speak up. Right. That's a pretty common problem when it comes to powerful men harassing, taking advantage of, forcing themselves upon less powerful, more vulnerable females. It isn't confined to the world of Hollywood or Harvey. He just seems to be more prolific at it, I guess, and over a longer period of time. You know, there's a scandal going on right now at the University of Southern California. Two medical school deans, one was uh, found out to be in a drug den, this is the dean of the medical school, with what I believe was a young woman who maybe was a prostitute, I don't know. But anyway, she overdosed, and the school knew about it and didn't remove the guy, did not remove him as dean. Finally, the L.A. Times recently wrote stories about it, and they moved the guy aside. So they pick a new dean. Guess what? 15, 10 years ago, accused of sexual harassment. Everybody knew it. They made the guy the replacement dean. So in academia, in many fields where men have power, um, this idea that uh, you know, you're going to put up with it as long as I'm going to say, quote, unquote, they're doing the job or benefiting the organization or advancing the company. Don't we hear about this all the time now in... Uh, out in Silicon Valley, where women are saying, you know, they're constantly just tortured and targeted all the time. So it's clearly wrong. I mean, no doubt about that. But the real question is, where's the moral responsibility? Why aren't people speaking up? And then why aren't leaders in fields, whether they're in Hollywood or wherever they are, why aren't they taking action to make sure that, you know, the people in leadership positions have been asked about, vetted, um, that 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 that's made clear to them that this is what the organization expects and that it's going to enforce it because now there's too much hypocrisy. It's just a Jim, lot of hypocrisy. Well, that's a very excellent point, Art Kaplan. This could be a good moment for Jim Browdy to tell Art Kaplan about his oh Kama God. Sutra doctor. <laughs> <laughs> really, Marjorie. Kaplan. I'm interested. Well, there's a guy. It, it turns out I'm going. I'm, you know, you're. I'm never telling you anything off the air. We've already discussed this on the air. Well, that was a the long time ago. Memories fade. Came well, out of the woodwork. A while. It turns out this I'm, wasn't, it's not the guy who was Donald Trump's. Uh, no, no, no. Thank you. Thank you, Art. I appreciate. No, okay. it. I was going. I was about to have surgery for something relatively minor, and I'm riding on the subway to meet the doctor. And it turns out there's a story in the Globe about the doctor, and it's not because he's an excellent surgeon, which he was, but because he had the Kama Sutra <laughs> items on display in his office at this unnamed hospital, which caused, understandably, a couple of female doctors to file complaints against him. So That's right. Marjorie finds my predicament amusing. Don't ask what I did. Let's move on. You know, by the way, uh, uh, what was my... Oh, hey, hey, uh, I'm going to tell you one other med school story of this type. A lot of female young doctors will tell you that patients kind of harass them indirectly by saying, hey, cutie, or how someone as good-looking as you get to be a doctor, that sort of stuff. So we do have to start to work on the ethics of how you respond to that. Some of my colleagues think, you know, well, they're patients, and you got to 
kind of uh, nudge them along. My attitude is screw them. Um, you know, confront them, say, knock it off. Your care depends on me. You want to walk out of here intact? Then I wouldn't be talking that way. I mean, I, I, don't, I wouldn't put up with that stuff. Can I just say one more quick thing about this and let's move on? Well, I, I am. To- no, here? no, I'm totally with, obviously, on women not in positions of power, uh, uh, you know, being expected, or why didn't they stand up? But the, the group of people you left out is why didn't the men stand up? Why didn't Ben Affleck stand mm. up when we've now found from Rose McGowan that he likely knew about this? Why didn't the board of directors, many of whom are men, thanks to David Boyes, the lawyer we found out, knew about this two years ago and did absolutely nothing? And these people put – I know you know this, but it just – these people – it's sort of like cardinal law here. These people knowingly chose to put mm-hmm. other women at risk because they did not have the courage to stand up to this giant in the it, – it's just – You know, you know, it's even worse because Weinstein and the company – has the reputation for making movies that tout values yes. that are antithetical to what we're talking about, right? I mean, great they put point. on all the progressive or at least, uh, you know, uh, culturally sensitive and uh, feminist-oriented movies. I've seen a lot of Weinstein-produced, so company-produced movies over the years. I like them. So they're telling you how to behave or suggesting, you know, certain values as part of those movies. And the men who run the companies aren't living up to it. One sad thing, I just saw a story on Ben Affleck that suggested he may have been harassing women. Well, yeah. no, no, not may. He is a, the, the story apologized. that appeared today is apparently he sexually harassed. Was it a, a an ESPN or some anchor of maybe 10 plus years uh, ago? And the reason it's not just alleged. I think he grabbed a breast. He has apologized for it oh, uh, in already. the last 24 yeah. hours. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and if people don't know the other, just to stay on this for one second, if people are unaware of this thing, while Ben Affleck put, and I'm a big fan of his work, I have to say he's a local kid, etc. Oh, uh, ben Affleck initially put out this statement saying he's angry, he's appalled, he's this, he's that. Rose McGowan, who is one yeah. of the courageous ones, this young actress, goes out and tweets in capital letters. I don't have it in front of me. Damn it. You told me you knew about this. You lied. And and it's clear to me, I mean, I'm not a jury, that he did know about it. And so, again, I, I, am, I have total empathy and understanding for a young woman new in the business, scared to death of the power of these boys. But these boys who had power... And have no excuse for allowing this kind of behavior uh, uh, to go on and on and on and on. It's just, it's really. So my suggestion is some of them were also taking advantage. Some of them just said, well, that's the, you know, that's how boys are. Yeah. We all understand it. We're guys. We get it. That's what they do. If you can get somebody to uh, fool around with you because uh, you're in the power position, and, you know, they don't have to. You're just kind of asking. If they don't want to, it's probably, cons- you know, you start. We know what that old boys club line looks like. Hey, I come from a field, some of the listeners know I have a degree in philosophy, a PhD. Mm-hmm. My field used to interview female candidates in hotel rooms on, while they sat on the bed, while the professors would interview them for jobs sitting in the room. I mean... Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as I said, uh, not only medicine, but academia has this issue. You've got a lot of young women with older male professors in many fields. We're seeing scandal after scandal and everything from Antarctic studies to uh, philosophy departments and so on. It's not confined to Hollywood. It's still in the culture. Well, we all thought, yeah, well, we solved that and it went away. No, it's still the old boys club in a lot of ways. 
So, Art Kaplan, what is on the Everyday Ethics Podcast? Well, we got to do Harvey. So it's funny oh, we're, good. we're smack in the middle of this. I, I think the other thing that uh, I've been interested in trying to find out, you know, Britain has had scandals about this. We've also seen other institutions like the church clearly involved in sexual exploitation problems. The military has had some of these issues. But I, I'm kind of wondering, is this like a worldwide worldwide phenomena? That's one of the things we want to uh, take a look at um, in the podcast, because I'm not sure every country is as rife with this kind of uh, exploit the females as, uh, let's say, the U.S. is. From the corporate culture side, is there something in the culture that makes people think women have to uh, succumb to the lures of powerful men? We'll be checking it That's out. Gonna Sounds be great, great Art. Art Kaplan, thank you so much. Good to talk to you, Art. Hey, thanks for having me. Art Kaplan joins us every week. He's the Drs. William F. and Virginia Conley Minute Chair, Director of the Division of Medical Ethics at NYU Langone Medical Center, and the co-host of the Everyday Ethics Podcast. Up next... Why is Manhattan DA Cyrus Vance letting the Trumps and Weinsteins of the world off the hook and not paying the political consequences? Former Suffolk County Sheriff and Secretary of Public Safety Andrew Cabral joins us for that and more. This is 89.7 WGBH Boston Public Radio. This is Boston Public Radio on WGBH, made possible thanks to listener contributions. Your support of just $10 or $20 a month keeps all these great conversations coming your way. Please take a moment to give now at WGBHnews.org or call 888-897-9424. And thanks. Your financial support during our fall membership drive will ensure that the NPR News and WGBH programs you value remain on the radio in our community. Call 888-897-9424 or give online at wgbhnews.org. Good morning. I'm Andy Hicks here with Darren Winkle. And the goal is to hear from 10 contributors in the next six minutes or so. We can do this with your help. 10 or $15 a month as a WGBH sustaining member is all it takes to do your part. So please help pay for your WGBH listening right now by calling 888-897-9424 or make that contribution online at WGBHnews.org. And don't forget, as we've been talking about, uh, support WGBH for a gift of $10 a month. We'll say thanks with the mini Bluetooth speaker. That's just $10 a month. It's a very special offer. And after today, you'd have to give a little bit more than that uh, up to $180, 888-897-9424. Here's what it is. It is a tiny little speaker about the size of a golf ball, and yet it has big stereo sound, adds a lot of bass and a lot of presence to whatever you're listening to, and it can be connected easily via Bluetooth uh, from your phone, your tablet, your laptop, uh, whatever you uh, have that has a Bluetooth capability to it. That's $10 a month. And by the way, it does have the WGBH logo on the side, so you can show off your support no matter where you go, loud and clear. 888-897-9424 or online at WGBHnews.org. And we try to make giving as convenient as possible. And when you become a WGBH sustainer, that is a great way to give. Uh, all you do is uh, provide a little bit of contact information, how much you'd like to contribute, and uh, how you want to pay for that. You can use your Visa, your MasterCard, Discover, or your American Express for that monthly sustaining contribution or that one-time contribution if you prefer. And it takes about two minutes of your time right now. And those are important minutes because the money you give keeps WGBH on the radio and available to everyone in our community. 
Do your part right now, 888-897-9424 or online at wgbhnews.org. And we're looking to hear from nine people before the top of the hour right now. You know, the best way to give to WGBH is by signing up as a sustainer. It's so easy. It is so convenient. You pick the amount that works for you, 5 10 or $20 a month. It's automatically charged to your credit card and you can charge uh, change the amount you give anytime. It's very flexible. What other monthly bills do you pay that are less than $10 per month and that you get to choose how much you pay each month. Uh, This is the one time that ever happens, and it's a great thing you're supporting, too. WGBH, you get a lot of value from this station. We hope you'll contribute. 888-897-9424, wgbhnews.org. Go to the phone right now with a contribution of $10 a month or more, and we are going to send you that WGBH Bluetooth speaker with the WGBH logo on it. That's our way of saying thanks for your contribution at this important time. You can do that at 888-897-9424. You can use it with any Bluetooth-enabled device. It's easy to use. You just switch on that device or your, your phone or your tablet, and it will find that uh, speaker, and you're going to enjoy the sound uh, coming out of it because it is a great small package, big sound, uh, and it's a great symbol of your support for WGBH and Smart Radio here on WGBH 888-897-9424 or WGBHnews.org And the goal down to about six contributions this hour and that is thanks to people like Kathy in Hanover Andre in Webster, John in Watertown and Anne in Boston. Thank you so, so very much 888-897-9424 These goals are very important They help us stay on track to meet the overall goal for this drive. We're down to six before 12 p.m. You and I working together, we can do this. 888-897-9424, WGBHnews.org. And if you've never given before, now is the time. A first-time sustaining membership of $10 a month will not only pay for hundreds of hours of listening that you'll do in the coming year, it'll ensure that the programs like Morning Edition and Boston Public Radio and All Things Considered are available for the next person to discover. We're so glad to have you here as a listener. Now take that next step, won't you? 888-897-9424, WGBHnews.org. With four people left to hear from in the next two minutes, uh, that's you and three others. The best way to give to WGBH is by signing up as a sustaining member. You can support WGBH in the same way you subscribe to magazines, newspapers, and cable. You get to pick the amount that WGBH is worth to you and not the other way around. It's our sustainer plan, and by selecting to pay your contribution monthly, you can add WGBH to those other services that are worth just a little something each month. And what you give to WGBH, think about it, it's probably uh, one of the smallest monthly payments, but it has the biggest value if you think about the reach you have throughout this community and in your own life, 888-897-9424 and wgbhnews.org. Do your part right now with a contribution of $10 a month. And again, we will send you, as our way of saying thank you, the Bluetooth speaker that we've been talking about this morning. That's with a $10 contribution as a sustainer or a one-time gift of $120. Uh, After tonight at 7 p.m., that price goes up to $180 to request that item. So we'd love to share it with you. Again, it it will connect to your Bluetooth-enabled device. It's about the size of a golf ball, big sound out of a little package. Our way of saying thanks with your contribution right now at 888-897-9424. Or WGBHnews.org. And before we head back to Boston Public Radio, we'd love to hear from two more people. Please make that call. Get that phone call started. Give online. Thanks to uh, Carol and uh, thanks to Christine in Auburndale. Thank you so much. If we haven't heard from you, we'd love to. 888-897-9424 or online at WGBHnews.org. And thanks.
I'm Frank Oglesby, voice of the MBTA, and you're on board with 89.7 WGBH, WGBH HD1 Boston, online at WGBHnews.org. Boston's local NPR. At noon on today's Boston Public Radio, we're joined by the former Secretary of Public Safety, Andrew Cabral. We'll discuss the high price of getting Manhattan DA Cyrus Vance to give the Trump offspring and Harvey Weinstein a pass. The Globe's Alex Beam fills us in on whole family cemeteries. Yes, Fido and all your cats are welcome. Plus, playing the world's longest golf hole. It's in Mongolia and it's 2,011 meters long. Then Bob Kuttner, the man who pushed Steve Bannon out of the White House, joins us on that coup, his visit to Bannon's lair, and the prospects of Bannon's revolutionizing the GOP. Then Jonathan Alsop, our wine man, on California wildfires and the tragic damage done to the Sonoma and Napa Valley vineyards, among many others. All that coming up on Boston Public Radio 89.7 WGBH. Jim Browdy, I am Marjorie Egan. You are listening to hour number two of Boston Public Radio, 89.7 WGBH. Hello again, Jim. You weren't listening to Henry. You were talking to our next guest. So I want to say he mentioned last night's debate at Rock's Vote. and want to compliment the organizations yeah, that pulled that thing together. It was a great, fun night. It was, a, it was a good and important, I think, for the public. The whole thing was good. And we want to announce, I'm not sure Henry did in this newscast, that the only televised and radio broadcast debate will be October 24th. Seven o'clock, right from uh, these studios, and it will be moderated by uh, Marjorie, and that'll be her over there, and uh, me, Jim Browning. Mm-hmm. So there you have. What do you mean? Uh-huh. Andrew, you'd be happy to know that in the last segment, Jim can, uh, said he, he'd let me have one question. No, I didn't say one question. I said I, I know have, what that feels I like. I've like co-hosted with him. I have a few extra questions I need to get in, so you may have to. <laughs> we'll, we'll discuss it as I yeah. say. I was looking year. for it yesterday. I couldn't find it on any. Was it televised? It was. Uh, it was on Facebook Live. It was, it was you know put together late. So, but they did. A, they did a really nice job. Place was packed. packed. I mean, they really did. We, a, get, we get there about a half hour early, and the place is packed. Yeah. Well, I saw your tweet that you were on your way, and I was like, okay, now I got to find it, <laughs> and I couldn't find it. Well, it, it was uh, it was a good event and an important event, and we're pretty proud that we have again the only televised radio broadcast debate, and it's on October twenty fourth. In any case, here with us in Studio Three, you know that already because you heard her voice for another edition of Law & Order is former Suffolk County Sheriff, former Secretary of Public Safety, Andrea Cabral. Hi, Andrea. Hello. Hello, Andrea Cabral. So you were a former prosecutor working in a district attorney's office. The district attorney in Manhattan, Cyrus Vance, as you know, is taking an awful lot of criticism for not uh, prosecuting Harvey Weinstein, nor years ago, Ivanka Trump and Donald Trump. And Donald Trump are, Jr. Donald Trump Jr., excuse me. And some are questioning whether this has to do with... with Significant donations. In one case, a six-figure donation he got from uh, in, in the Trump in the Trump case, the lawyer involved with the Trump children, and big donations from people involved with Weinstein. What do you think? I think this does not look good for him. Um, I don't know the track record over the course of his career as to how many times he's intervened in uh, prosecutions that had already begun in his office and sort of overruled them. So I can't give you sort of the 30,000-foot view, but if you hone in on these two in particular, it doesn't look good. And quite frankly, with regard to um, uh, Ivanka Trump and Donald Trump Jr., it's very unusual in a DA's office for the DA to be involved in frontline prosecutions. Now, certainly if the people are high-profile – 
it'll be on the DA's radar screen because he or she might get questions about it when they're mm-hmm. you know out and about and in, in, in their communities. Um, but here, the that was a white collar crime prosecution in his office. That it seems as though, it, I think it was two, really two divisions within his uh, office had invested some time in and had really really good evidence on. Um, based on even what was reported in the paper. Can I interrupt you? We should just say what it was. I mean, oh, what it yeah, was yeah. was, it was they had some condos, the the Trump kids that Trump we just Soho. mentioned. Uh, and, Not in Soho. Well, first of all, it wasn't in Soho. <laughs> right. That was a problem. West of Soho. Two, they were saying they're selling like hotcakes. I think they advertised 60%, right. only 15%. So, right. I mean, they basically committed fraud. Is right. it criminal fraud or not? Right. As Andrea Cabral said, these the people like you in the office who do the real work said, yeah, we should prosecute this crime. Right. Because and they had so, emails where they talk, oh, where, forgot, the, yes. where the kids talked to one another. Yeah. About cooking and, the books. Yes, and talked to brokers, I think. Don't worry about it. They'll never know that we're inflating the the number of units sold. And it seemed to me pretty clear. I've seen cases, you know, go to trial with less. Um, and so... Uh, Speaks well of the character of Ivanka and Donald Jr. Well, yes, right. And so <laughs> what happened was Mark Kasowitz, who's sort of the notorious, um, one of Donald Trump's more notorious uh, uh, attorneys, uh, bypassed, he had been making arguments, I guess, the, the the Trump kids had other attorneys who'd been making arguments with the prosecutors about why they shouldn't go forward. And they had fallen on deaf ears because the case in terms of what those prosecutors thought was solid. Kasowitz comes in. Um, may, I think he makes the donation first. He the $25,000 yes. donation Before. first. Right. right. And then he bypasses. Well, wait, in Vance returned it. So yep. it sounds on the up and up. Unfortunately for Kasowitz, is after its return, he throws a fund, and after the charges are uh, not brought, he throws a fundraiser at which he gives thirty thousand dollars, and he raises another thirty or forty thousand for for Cy Vance. Right, but the the first donation, I'm not sure whether or not the donation occurred before Kasowitz bypassed the line prosecutors and went straight to Vance. Or if it happened immediately thereafter, but there was a period of time when that donation was sitting in, if I, unless I read it wrong, that donation was sitting in Vance's campaign coffers and Mark Kasowitz, he had the meeting with Kasowitz. I don't think he returned it until after the meeting I'm with Kasowitz. I'm not 100% sure about that. And that's fact, a, that, sure is, that is genuinely troubling. I mean, that's just, you know, the, in any event, he should not have accepted money. He returned it saying, you know, I realize that he had a conflict of interest when he's, he has this meeting with me and I need to give it back. Well, and we had the Weinstein thing, which we've talked to you about. Which is outrageous. Where, where uh, they, you know, the, the conventional wisdom here is this BS from the uh, DA's office is, well, you know, the woman would not have been a great witness. She had she had accused some older Italian businessman of uh, problems in the past. She had had some involvement with a disgraced former Berlusconi. But what he Hold fails on. to mention, let me finish his thought. Well, did you finish what he fails thought? to mention, I'll you out. I don't care how credible or incredible she was. He has a wiretap of, of right. Harvey Weinstein acknowledging that he groped this woman. But before Andrea comes in, I wanted to point out that last night on your television show, yeah. which I watched very carefully, you, you had former so. federal judge Nancy Gertner I on did. there, who is a big feminist herself, who pointed out that because the court systems are so overrun that uh, when someone is touching a breast, it may not have gotten the attention of a full-fledged rape or some other more... uh, And what was my response to her and Scott Harshbarger, former attorney general? You disagree with them. Even if it... In my opinion, and both of them have far more legal skills than I do, even if uh, 
they failed in the prosecution. If Harvey Weinstein was indicted or charged with that crime, even if he was acquitted or the charges dismissed, at least other young woman, women would be on notice. You better watch out for this character. But I guess, is that legit? That is absolutely legit, and I love both Nancy Gertner and Scott Hoshbarger, and I didn't see the show last night, but if that's, if I, I disagree with the that idea that that's, you don't take cases to trial because you think you're going to win them all. And this is what annoyed me about Vance's response in this case, where he said, I didn't believe beyond a reasonable doubt that this had happened. Well, you know what? You're not the fact finder. You're neither judge nor jury. And part of every prosecution is not just evidence. It's evidence plus the power of persuasion. That is why lawyers make arguments. That is why lawyers, uh, you know, there are pretrial motions. You, your, your ability to persuade a jury to see it your way based on how you've assembled the case is essentially what makes every criminal case. If we only took the cases to trial that we internally were absolutely convinced we could win beyond a reasonable doubt, to a lot of people wouldn't get justice. But That's not the that, standard. But isn't that – haven't I heard this for years that, that one of the reasons that a lot of sex crimes don't go forward is because prosecutors decide that the, the, the women's evidence is shaky or if it's a kid, the kid no, is No, that shaky. does happen. That absolutely happens. And, and it's not that – it's not within the – clearly it is within the purview of a DA's office to do that. But if you've got a case where you – genuinely believe your victim. You have competent, credible evidence. This is Harvey Weinstein. Nobody's forcing Harvey Weinstein to say any of the things he says on that tape. He says them all. He's being recorded. The police are involved. It's a legitimate wiretap. I don't care what is in this person's background. The bottom line is she met with him and has evidence his of his admission that he did this with her. Now, if the system decides that somehow what he did to her isn't important, that's unfortunate. If a judge doesn't take it seriously, if a jury doesn't take it seriously. But the system exists for redress for things like this, however they ultimately turn out. And while I'm not trying to take away from DAs the power to assess their evidence before going forward, if you have a willing victim, the police think it's an appropriate case, prosecutors in your office think it's an appropriate case, it's a, probably a bad idea for you to intervene as the DA commensurate with getting another check. Uh, for your campaign and okay. say that it's not competent So let's evidence. put this in context in 60 seconds. There is one potential defendant from whom he did not get a check. That would be called the Abacus Federal Savings Bank. And if you watched Frontline a few weeks ago, you've learned about Abacus, which was the 2,651st largest bank. Now, most of those banks have locations in Manhattan. Cy Vance didn't prosecute any of those masters of the universe who tried to destroy our economy. He prosecutes a family, the Sung family, that opened this community bank to help Chinese Americans in that community. They didn't give any checks to his reelection fund. That was their big mistake, I guess. They were prosecuted. (laughs) They spent millions of their own money and years defending their reputation. You know what? They were acquitted. Yeah, that's Side Vance Law. So they, the 2,651st biggest bank gets prosecuted, but Donald Trump Jr., Ivanka Trump, and Harvey Weinstein get a pass. That's add, all you need we, to know about that. And by the way, he's running on a pose, this guy. Before we go to the break, you know, and I said that, that, that Gertner last was night was talking about how, you know, touching a breast wasn't obviously as serious a crime as a full-fledged rape. However, we should point out that one of the biggest uh, pedophiles in the priest scandal, uh, John Gagan, uh, was eventually tried not for the many rapes, but for grabbing a kid's 
butt, basically. Oh, one of my favorite hosts of, mentioned that on that show. Yeah, kick it out of. Did that you mention me. that last yes, night? Yes, I did. You should watch. One of my closely. favorite hosts. <laughs> what is? Uh, he is one of my. I'm favorite laughing because I was stupid did enough to believe you were talking about somebody else. Yes, I did. I oh, mentioned okay. John Gagan. Yeah. Don't you? Some. T- yes, I did. Okay, well, John. Can you watch it again tonight more closely, please, and get back to me in the morning? I must have been taking a bathroom break. I missed that part. Anyway, we're talking with Andrew Cabral, former Suffolk County Sheriff and Secretary of Public Safety. That conversation continues on 89.7 WGBH, Boston Public Radio. Every day on Boston Public Radio, Jim and Marjorie spend time getting to know their neighbors, too. It's just that sometimes their neighbors are, you know, the governor or Doris Kearns Goodwin. And it's such a good feeling to know that you've helped make it possible. Pitch in by calling 888-897-9424 or do your part online at wgbhnews.org. You know, I just got an email from someone who said that he'd been a longtime listener and he has just become a sustainer here at WGBH and he's been listening to us for quite some time. That made me very, very happy and I really appreciate that. I hope more of you feel that way that... um, you know, there's this idea that we get most of our funding for the government. Thank God we don't because we might be in big trouble at this present moment. But instead, we get most of our funding, the vast majority of our funding from listeners uh, like you, uh, not from the government. So it really does mean a lot when you guys can take the time to contribute. And we have a wonderful gift. What is it The again? WGBH Mini Bluetooth Speaker. It's about an inch and a half by an inch and a half. It's orange. It has a WGBH logo. It is this little tiny Bluetooth-enabled device. Switch it on your phone, your tablet, and you will get unbelievable sound out of this dynamic little bitty stereo. The number is 888-897-9424, WGBHnews.org. I guess it's a stereo speaker, actually. Yeah, it is. Now, let me just say one thing. One of the things mm-hmm. that Marjorie and I pride ourselves on is transparency. We tell you what's going on. I did have to call HR during the break to complain that Marjorie tried to steal the uh, the <laughs> sample speaker. <laughs> And it isn't because I don't like Did her. Not. I'm crazy about her. I was but just borrowing it to hold it. she attempted to steal the speaker without <laughs> making the contribution. And my view is if the listeners have to pay, yep. you've got to pay. By the way, it's $180 value. It disappears as an option at 7 o'clock tonight. Uh, and the sustainer thing is what we prefer. If, uh, some people email and say, what, what, does it matter? It, it does. Well, it doesn't matter. As long as you contribute, we're happy. The sustainer thing is great because, one, I would argue it's better for you. It's a smaller amount. It's a regular amount. And, two, it's great for the people who do our budgets here because they know every month how much to expect from you and others who are sustainers. So that's our preference. But whatever you do, whatever amount you can afford and feel comfortable with, if it's 5 bucks, that's great. If you can afford $1,000 a month, which some of you do, that is unbelievable. Whatever it is, just call 888 or WGBHnews.org. Thanks to Colleen from Somerville, Bruce from Providence, who gave for Jim and Marjorie. Bruce, we love you. Thank you. Julie from Law, we're crazy about you too. Leonard and Sandra from Haverhill, thanks to you guys as well. And if you can do it, we'd really love it if you could give before 2 o'clock. It's not that really we get extra points. <laughs> That's not so... really true. But it, it just, you know, it, it, we can kind of brag about Puts it. It's a okay? little Marjorie We step. got a lot of calls during between 11 and 2, and that makes us feel wanted and loved and appreciated. So if you're going to do it, they we like really love me. that you... Exactly. That's what Sally Field said. She Remember did. that? She said they like me. That makes us feel like you, you like us. And that you know that some of us are insecure and that matters. Eight 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 nine seven nine four two four is the phone number. WGBHnews.org is the uh, website.
Welcome back to Boston Public Radio. Jim Browdy, Mark Regan. If you're just tuning in, Andrew Cabral is with us. Going a sustainer, by the way. I am a sustainer. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Actually, it's very good of you. Seriously, thanks very much. It means a lot to us. So, Andrew Cabral, a former sheriff of Suffolk County, a lot of people, including myself, are very unnerved by the idea of people having, you know, going into college campuses and all over the place with weapons that apparently can go on in in many states, including Texas. Um, But this college kid that... Well, he basically shot and killed a campus police officer at Texas Tech University. What is their situation out there? I believe they're a concealed carry state, are they not? They are a concealed carry state. Apparently, uh, the governor out there, Greg Abbott, had uh, signed a law um, a couple of years ago. Um, So it's been in effect for two years uh, that allows concealed carry. In other words, you have to have it out of sight and in your holster. Um, in colleges and universities, I think they gave four-year universities that took effect in uh, 2016. They gave community colleges, the two-year schools, an additional year to prepare for it. Um, but the bottom line is that the police went to do um, – it might have been a well-being check or a welfare yes, check. Yes, it was a well-being check. On a guy who, that they actually suspected, welfare. I think, of, of uh, selling drugs on campus. And they take him in, and and the other part about this is just stunning is, is that not only is he not handcuffed when he's at the station and being booked, it does not appear that anyone searched him no. prior to taking him into custody, which is a, a huge, huge mistake, because he pulls out a gun um, uh, while he's being booked. There were two officers initially present while he was being booked. One of them left the room. He hears a loud bang, and he comes in, and uh, the individual, I forget the guy's name, he's gone. Shoots him in the head. He shoots, shoots the officer in the head, who, and the officer dies. The officer's gun is still in his holster, so that that indicates to me that this guy had a gun on him that nobody found. Um, uh, and they ultimately end up catching up with him, um, and where you know he admits to the shooting, but it's pretty obvious that he's the one that did it. And it just to me, it's just a, one of those another another yet another inexplicable example of gun laws. Why it would be necessary for anyone on a college campus to have a gun. I mean, they, were, they allow the colleges to make some regulations around this. They can designate, um, you know, uh, professors can designate their office offices during office hours as gun-free zones, but they can't make that designation in the classroom, you know, where it might actually count. And I'm sorry, but it's nonsense that if you have a gun and you can prevent a, a Virginia Tech kind of shooting or something like that, there have been tons of studies that show that people absolutely freeze. In fact, it happened in Las Vegas. People had guns, but they didn't draw them because they didn't want to be mistaken for the shooter or they were just paralyzed with fear. You know, a couple of quick things about this. You mentioned Greg Abbott, who's the governor. Before this happened, I'm not sure what the date was, he tweets out an article from Fox News that says, one year later, concealed carry has little impact on Texas University campus. Obviously, before uh, this That was October person. 1st of this year, yeah. so nine days go. later, at Texas Tech, a cop gets shot in the head and And dies. secondly, if you say, who really cares? Uh, I mean, obviously, I assume you all care. I hope you all care for the person who lost their life just doing their jobs. But what does this really have to do with us? What it has to do with us is one of the few gun measures in Congress that has a decent shot of getting somewhere is the concealed carry reciprocity law, which we've discussed on the show, which were it to be passed, and I think the votes are there, maybe it'll change after Las Vegas, uh, were it to pass and be signed by the president, even in a, not even in, if you are from a concealed carry state, let's say Arizona, and you travel to Massachusetts, which does not allow it, 
the federal law would require that you grant reciprocity, correct me if I'm wrong, Andrea, to the Arizona law so that guy or woman could carry a concealed weapon in a state like ours, which doesn't allow its own people to carry a concealed weapon. Is They're that not treating right? gun licenses like driver's licenses. Exactly. And the exactly. difference is that people are mobile and, and, and have to travel between states in their cars. This, to me, is completely different. And, the, and I've said this many, many times. I've tweeted it. The NRA makes gun policy in this country. No one should fool themselves into thinking otherwise. They gave over $30 million to Donald Trump. They've given millions and millions and millions of dollars to members of Congress. And they dictate what our gun policy is. I'm laughing, not at you. I'm just saying, I've said this five times on the air in last week, but since you obviously haven't heard it, we had Chuck Todd on last week. He was traveling there, so he couldn't be on. And Marjorie and I are are excitedly listing all the Republican senators who said that they were going to buy into this reform that would not allow the conversion of of semi-automatic and automatic weapons, as was done there. And he laughed at us almost derisively and said, unless the NRA gives permission to these senators... It ain't going to happen. Absolutely but true. One thing before we leave this, if this reciprocity thing happens, does that mean that somebody that's got a concealed carry li- license in Arizona could come anywhere in Massachusetts? Yes. Could he yeah. go oh, uh, oh, Fenway I, Park oh, or, or Gillette Stadium or into the Boston Public Library or into schools? By the way, Maura Healy told me on TV last week she would sue to stop it. I don't know what grounds, but she said— She's you know, been extremely busy on behalf of Massachusetts. It's almost she like has. you feel like you're defending your borders I know. against other states and the federal government, and that's not the way the country is supposed to work. Um, I, that's a really good question, Marjorie. I don't I, know. I don't know Neither either do whether I. or not any restrictions apply. Um, I mean, can you imagine it being? We got to find that out. That's yeah, a really that's great a really question. question. You think of you think of. I mean, this may sound like a stupid example, but it's not that stupid given the tempers flaring. I've seen it. Kids sporting events, parents screaming at each other. Parents, you know, so, I agree with you. there was this case the the youth hockey a couple of years ago oh, where one guy ten years beat ago, yeah. another guy to death over a youth hockey game. It, it, that the well, idea. What if I want to stalk you? What if I've been stalking you online and I live in another oh, another state? Divorcing. And now, but I've got a concealed carry. I'm going to Massachusetts to get you because now you know. I, now there's no reason for me point. to to worry about or that. divorcing spouses. Exactly. Uh, where no, the, this where is these yeah. laws are insane. I mean, I actually tweeted that one of the things that you know the in a, in our democracy today, the majority is having to beg the minority to stop feeding them to a gun lobby that's carnivorous. We literally are feeding people to the NRA, and. It doesn't matter how many die. It doesn't matter how old they are. It doesn't matter where they're from. Nothing nothing matters in this stuff, and it's a, it's astonishing. Okay, so we give up. You've shamelessly promoted your Twitter account twice in the last no, three no, no. minutes. No, no, no. No, I'm just saying what that I, I don't say these the way, things just here. Are, I say them elsewhere. I know. You're an excellent tweeter. Uh, what's your Twitter account? And by the way, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Your, your Twitter, Twitter handle? handle is ridiculous. It is? What is it? It is. What's because even more ridiculous what? is that you think that I care what you think. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm always astounded by that, right? It's like, like I didn't think to myself, what would Jim think of my Twitter handle? I should call Jim and ask Jim if he thinks my Twitter handle makes some sense. I think it makes sense. It's at critical thought. Spell critical that, thought. But it's critical is spelled the way critical is yeah. spelled, and thought is spelled the way ma- people from Massachusetts say the word thought. T H A W C. So, which means you have to tell everybody no, who wants don't. to follow you how to spell no, your Twitter No, because what handle. you do is you hit that little search thing, and you write in search Andrea that. Cabral on Twitter, and my my Twitter handle will come up. All you need to know is my name. But I so, actually like at critical thought. Okay, it's I a lot it. more inventive than at Jim Browdy. <laughs> Excuse me. So, hey, before you go, you only realize we haven't broached with you since what? your appointment. What? And I can't believe this woman is not broached. Do you know what position 
She was appointed to, speaking of Maura Healy, by Maura Healy about a month or two ago. The, or the cannabis She's on the advisory. On the advisory. Yeah. So what the hell is going on with that? Well, there was a, there was a meeting. There was like a public, uh, you know, the first big public meeting. Um, we interviewed the, the new chair, and I have to say we're both impressed he's, by him. He's an impressive guy. Yeah. I, he, I was impressed by him, too, and I had never met him before. So what happened meeting. at the first meeting? It's just introductory stuff, and it's sort of laying the ground rules and setting forth, you know, um, uh, you know the task at hand and breaking up into subcommittees because the subcommittees I think ultimately will will do the work. Are you allowed the voice. In, I, I mean, since uh, Marjorie has a really strong position, which she borrowed from Ayanna Presley. Yes, I did. I'd be curious to run. And if you can't answer because of your position, it's fine. Run it by Andrew Cabral. Well, curious. she mentioned. I think she mentioned it. On oh, BPR she did on your weekend, show. On your yeah. show, yeah. Uh, which uh, I was BPR listening weekend. to, and I thought she made a great point when she was saying. There, there are all these communities that are saying, oh, no, no, not in my backyard. We, we've, we voted for marijuana, but we don't want it in our, in our town, meaning that a lot of these marijuana dispensaries are going to be in the big cities. They'll be in Lawrence and New Bedford, et cetera. And Boston. And Marty Boston. Walsh voted no, and but Mar- says I, I want them and here. And she said, and I thought this was a great idea, fine. You don't want the dispensaries? You don't get the share of the tax revenue, which I thought was great. What do you think of that? Why can should you these little pristine? I, I, I don't know because I haven't gotten and you know sort of guidance on uh-huh. on what can be said. Uh, well, you until know, you do, what do you the... think? <laughs> That's real. But it that makes was very sense. clever. Thank you. No, I, I I do think that that makes sense. I think I think the lottery should be. You, you we've had the same conversation yeah. that the money that should be proportionate to what you generate. Yeah. So if you don't have a whole lot of people buying lottery tickets in your town, then you should get. Either you encourage people to buy lottery tickets or you get a proportional Amen. Um, share of the money. Hallelujah. I mean, that's kind of where, where communities – because there are definitely some communities that where those dispensaries will land versus where they won't. And they'll, there are communities where there just is, there's a lot of lottery sales but very little return on lottery revenue. Let and me I just say the thing sense. that Andrea has mentioned we talked about is a huge wealth transfer. The poorest communities spend by far the most right. money on lottery, and a lot of that money goes to wealthier towns that don't bet on the lottery at all. Okay, I'm with Jim. you. Critical thought, is that what you said? At critical yes. thought. Okay, fine. At Jim nice Browdy, Mr. Twitter. <laughs> Andrea Cabral is the former Suffolk County Sheriff and Secretary of Public Safety. She joins us every week. Thank you very much, Andrea Cabral. I like it, actually. At critical thought, I like it. Coming up, our bots and our prayers. Could cyber pastors replace real men and women of the cloth? Alex Beam joins us for that conversation next. Listen to 89.7 WGBH, Boston Public Radio. It's time to support Boston Public Radio on WGBH. Listener contributions pay for the program and keep it on the air. You don't have to give much to make a difference. Please make a difference by calling 888-897-9424 or give online at wgbhnews.org. And here's a special deal on day two of Pledge Week. This mini Bluetooth speaker, it's bright orange. It's got the GBH logo kind of thing. Marjorie said it was like an inch and a half by an inch and a half before, which sounds really small. I think it's even smaller. I'd say, an, what do you think? About an inch by an inch? Kind of, it's really tiny, no? Actually, now that I'm looking, I think it's two inches by two no, inches. No, it is not even close. It's not. It is not. But in any case, it is, I'm sorry I asked. It is, <laughs> I said it was orange. And I guess it's a Bluetooth-enabled device. You switch it on, and your phone or tablet obviously automatically finds it. Ordinarily, it costs 180 bucks, and... Uh, if you do it before, if you pledge before 7 o'clock today, it costs just $10 a month or $120 in one pop. You call 888-897-9424 or WGBHnews.org. And let me say it again. I hope if you make a contribution of that amount, it's not just because you want the mini Bluetooth speaker, but because you like what Marjorie, I, and our scores of colleagues do every day 
in the WGBH News newsroom. So uh, we thank you. And again, whatever you can contribute is great. If you can contribute less, more, whatever, but that's the threshold for this terrific little gift. And I'll say it again because I think it's an important point. Without these it? pledge breaks, we would be – we're commercial-free radio. We are commercial-free. And without these pledge breaks, we would have – if we were commercial radio, we would have commercials that last four, five, six, and seven minutes. Yeah, but then you can go to the bathroom. We can't even go to the bathroom Well, that's the true. You can go to the bathroom. But I think yeah, from the listener's problem. perspective, commercial problem. doesn't really add – It's uh, like a real problem that. right now, if you know what I mean. But I t- <laughs> we shouldn't get into that. So, so I'm let's, sorry, brother. Let's up. not get into that. Okay. Too. I said I'm not going to talk Just waiting for the porta potty in the studio here. Anyway, that you would be listening to those commercials. And you know from listening to commercial radio, no matter how much you love the station, that's really annoying to have to listen to those commercials all the time. So I want to thank people that have taken the time to pledge, and we really appreciate it. Hannah from Taunton says, forever grateful for the hard work of all involved. Thank you very much, Hannah. Hannah, Jill from Belmont has contributed. Here's Scott from Westport who says, depends on WGBH to get the facts about local and national news. Uh, Bill from Portland, he just emailed, says he listens, has been listening to us every day for four years, and he became a sustainer, and that Thank makes you. us very, 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 very happy. The number, the num- you want to give the number? No, you give the number. Okay, the number is 888-897-9424-WGBHnews.org. And by the way, even if Marjorie does steal this little orange one here, there no, there are lots of other ones that are available. We'll deal with Marjorie's transgressions in a separate time. <laughs> the number is 888-897-9424. This really is a great little thing, and the it sound, trust me, is really, really good, not just for a little thing. It's great. It's convenient. It sounds great. 888-897-9424 or WGBHnews.org. It's great. Alex is in the next room. I don't think he quite understands how this radio thing works. It's like, so let me explain it to you. With you papers ever, in his mouth. Now, now, here's how it works. <laughs> is generally what happens if someone knows their segment is coming. They generally try to get to the studio before the segment. Be- oh, there he is. So hey, we case- were having fun. Okay, so as we do every time he is uh, here. Am I on now? Is it- not on really. Air? Okay. We yes, marvel that yes. his name is Alex Beam because when Alex writes, you realize that like Alex Butterfield, he's a man who knows too much. As an aside, Alex is also responsible for overseeing the installation of the mics and recording apparatus. In Studio 3. By the way, Google, if you're a certain yeah, age, Google Alex Butterfield. No one's can, ever heard of Alex that's Butterfield. Okay. Well, people, okay. some part of our audience. Yeah, Alex, nice 80. to see you. How are you? Nice that's to see you. Thank seltzer you very much. Free seltzer. Took. Yeah, he always, he always likes to take that free seltzer. It really annoys Jim when he does it, too. Mm. So seltzer, by the way. It. It me. It's not seltzer. It is seltzer. I didn't say seltzer. I said seltzer. You just said it again. You just said seltzer. It's not seltzer. Since I'm late, I'm going to make a $100,000 gift to WGBH. By the way, while you're excuse me, excuse me, since you brought that up, I wouldn't put you on the spot if you didn't make a you know water yourself. Uh, at Julia Kayyem, pledge on the area. So you want to make a pledge? I mean, she's rich. She's got an app. She's got a whole thing she's going. She's a CEO. CEO. She's a Uber yeah, company. She's an industry. You're a lowly columnist. Exactly. Uh, forget it then. <laughs> exactly. Right. Nice to see you. Thank so you very Alex much. Beam, yeah. this, this, this is Marjorie's favorite story. Made me think about my, my great beyond existence. Whole family cemeteries bury pets. Yeah. Along with people, and they talked about somebody that was in some burial site from ten thousand years ago in northern Israel, where they saw the skeleton of the woman with a puppy's skeleton by her head, her hand gracefully raised, uh, resting atop the puppy's head. I thought Harry the Peanut, Harry the Pea, best dog from C to C. Yeah. I, I think I had to plan ahead. It's a very moving story, actually. I'm glad you're starting with it. it was in, I guess it was in the Atlantic. It's yes. A, it's a complicated uh, headline because it's about Green Hole Pet Cemetery. Anyway, 
the, the easy to understand point is that they are people are basically trying to change regulations all over America, state by state, so that people can be buried with their pets. And I must say, I had a terrible feeling. You know, my mother really would have loved to have been buried with her cat. I mean, really. It, there's an aside in this, which I mean, touches on something much larger, which is people really have, you know, attachments and connections to animals. Oh, and it's my strange very best relationship. that so many states. Um, yeah, no. Well, I, I think my wife is not listening, which I kind of hope. But I mean, it's okay. You can she tell really us. likes her her West Highland more than you. Yeah, oh, I think I so. Because it it's yeah. that stage. I think Marjorie understands. It's yeah. a stage in life. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, in any case, but I, you know, I tried to check. It, it seems like Massachusetts might be a state that bans the uh, the human that, animals yeah, and non-human animals, right? Yeah. For like several different reasons. It's it's kind of weird and fascinating. First of all, there's kind of like a, I guess, a hygienic reason that like uh, cemeteries are like licensed for human remains right. and animal remains in uh, and some religions are are considered dirty or something which actually gets to the second reason which i guess is that um some religions ban ban the burial of pets cuz they don't have souls oh. yeah well but i think the pope huh. said something very lovely about what dogs a while ago well he he kind of people asked if dogs could go to heaven and i think he gave a sort of he didn't. He didn't say no. Let's put it that way. He didn't say no. He was very kind. You know, I was thinking about this because I hadn't really thought about it before. But as it is now, if you want to be buried with your pet, then you have to be buried in a pet cemetery. And you know, I don't know. Would the relatives think that well, was weird going to the burial at the pet cemetery? No, you just have it. to fit in a much smaller box. That would. <laughs> Right. And that would be uncomfortable. Actually, no, this story, I tell you, it opens up like many, many, you know, in Germany, there are pet cemeteries. Yeah. Which are like very well. Well, they have them here. There's one right off of, is it Route 3 or 24 we can see the pet cemetery? Oh, is that true? Oh, yes. You can see it going down the highway. You see all the little headstones, little teeny tiny. You know, but this journalist makes another kind of terrifying point, which actually relates to my desire to have my mother buried with her pet, which is that often you would actually have to euthanize the pet. Exactly. I mean, that seems a step too far. Because some states require that the Pet be in the actual oh. coffin. Uh, coffin, yeah, um, with the person. So why, you could just th- why couldn't you exhume them when the time comes? And then I'm, I'm serious. You know what your your real well, line should have been? <laughs> why not when the pet dies, kill the human? <laughs> <laughs> now that's now that's what I call planning. Uh, how did I miss that? <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, anyway, it's something to yeah, think about, which I had not really okay, given much thought to. Uh, yeah, right, I, I'm hoping we can get this through okay, Massachusetts. Yeah. I, I was appalled by your piece <laughs> and unimperiled. Dem- it's ridiculous. I mean, let me stay what the premise is. It's called our unimperiled democracy. Your point, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex Beam, your basic point is the guy was elected, to quote Barack Obama, elections have consequences. That's essentially your thing. If he's going to do executive orders you don't like, well, then make sure somebody else gets elected. Is that not your central theme here, which is rather... Small-minded is—it's like a, a, a narrow. Here's my—is that so I'm your glad po- this managed to tick you off. It really that was did. His is that, sole purpose. Is that not your point of this piece that he was elected? So get over it. Essentially, he's doing what he's doing. He's the president of the United States. Yeah, I've repeated this piece before. Let me—I'm trying to remember this piece, which I wrote like months. ago. I know ago. you did, but we haven't yeah. talked about no, it. Yeah, I know. It's but a it's because a friend of mine ago. used this phrase in an email talking about imperiled democracy, and the point I was making is that it's not. Our democracy, meaning the three of us or many of the people who are listening to the story, but it's the democracy of the 72 million people 
who voted for Trump, that means the democracy is functioning. And I mean, what I, does that mean? It's a, it is not the democracy of the 72 million people. It's a democracy of the 300 and some million people, some of whom stupidly, regardless of who you support, decide to sit home, some of whom voted for Hillary Clinton. And secondly, how can you say it's unimpearled? Uh, it, it, what did The Washington Post say the other day? Was it 2,368 lies or something in 200 and some days? Uh, he, how about today when he's talking about uh, pulling the – if he, he doesn't have the power to do it – pulling the license of NBC News because it's a perpetrator of fake news. That's not an imperiled democracy? Hello? It, no, it's not. An, look, I never read David Brooks, but like 15 days ago he called Trump a buffoon. And that's like – that's relatively serious and it's totally accurate. I mean the, the, you know, these 72 million people elected a buffoon, and he's our president, and it's a big problem for us. But that doesn't mean that democracy's not working. I mean, I do. F- these people voted for a right-winger on the Supreme Court. They got it. They voted for basically locking up, quote-unquote, illegal aliens, a phrase you're not supposed to use on public radio. They got it. So they got it. They got and their they got, they vote they, for they a guy got, to tweet that we, we've done enough for Puerto Rico. We can't be there forever. Is that what they voted blunt? for? I'm sure there's lots to be of people blunt. under actually, with them. I, I bet that's really right. building. No, yeah, actually, I bet it is. You know, with, with all due respect, and, and I disagree with that. I bet those 72 And the environmental million, stuff, the wait, slashing yeah. of all the environmental What's regulations, which well, had no, me on the verge of a nervous I, breakdown. Lots of people think that's swell. Well, exactly. And I mean, you know, Jacoby had a great column in yesterday's paper. I mean, the hysterical overreaction to Trump always plays into his hands. This thing about, you know, Elizabeth Warren says he's taking away birth control from 800 million women. He is. It's no, he's not. It's not 800 million women. He is taking away free of, birth control from millions from of women. six will, nuns Millions of you women. you got to read the Jacoby column. Well, really I can excellent. read the I can also read the executive order. You know, well, you, you read know, the Washington Post. You know something? <laughs> Let me just say, as a, as a Catholic, I mean, Shut up about the moral issues about about birth control. She's not talking to you, Alice. You go, she means... you go to church on Sunday. Where are the families with twelve kids? They're not there, are they? You know and why? Because everybody's using birth control. You know, it's just a bunch of baloney. Who are all these people that are morally opposed to birth control? And where are their broods it's of the kids? It's the sisters of poor Claire. Yeah, the sisters of poor Claire. You think they give a damn? The sisters of poor. I think they got used in this uh, situation because. How can you go against the sisters of poor Claire? Nuns, by the way, we always like to tease on that note. Wait, Alex by the is way, upcoming, you're 100% right. Let's just put okay, that Alex's upcoming column, which I've gotten a sneak peek, is, is that Representative Tim Murphy from Pennsylvania was done wrong. Just because he <laughs> voted on Tuesday to ban abortion after 20 weeks, and then it came out the next day that he had sent an email yeah. or a text to his mistress saying she should get an abortion. That's no reason to have to leave Congress. Wouldn't you agree? I, yeah, That's I, democracy. I, That's just, how it works. You're just holding me out as... Like some op-ed troll, which is basically <laughs> totally accurate. I'm not really on that guy's side, to okay, be fair. I'm glad okay. to hear that. We're talking yeah. to Alex Beam from the uh, Boston Globe. They had something else about that's going to get you in trouble, too. It probably already has. Is this been in the paper yet? No, no it hasn't been Okay, this is going to get you in <laughs> big trouble. I wonder if it's going to get in the paper, yeah. This is about uh, the uh, move to remove the uh, memorial to the 13 Confederate prisoners that, were died, that died during the Civil War from George's Island. What's your argument You know who I think here? broke that story to whom you didn't give credit, by the way? Oh, tell me. I think Adam Riley from uh, GBH News. I'm 90% sure he's the one that broke the original story about it. But in any case, well, go ahead. I mean, but go ahead. Okay. I, uh, What's your point there? Well, I actually, you know, no one has made, I mean, it, the, it's been sort of just casually reported that there, and erroneously, that there's 13 dead Confederate soldiers buried, you know, on George's Island in in Boston Harbor, 
And there's a, during the big hoo-ha in the summer, uh, Baker ordered it to be boarded up, which is like really weird. It's we like call him Governor Baker, by the way. What, the he's your pal, okay? He's our and, monthly guest. Thank right. You. It's like remember when John Ashcroft, the Attorney General, insisted on putting drapes over, over the, the, the the Greek statue? Yeah, because she had a bare breast. She had a bare and breast. it was over his right shoulder at all his press briefings. <laughs> Literally, it was, just, it was <laughs> if the breast was resting his head. on his right shoulder. Well, no, it was you so know what great. I love? You know what I love? You moved his head. There's the there's <laughs> the nipple. True. It pops out. He moves his head the other direction. Oh, there it is again. He well, couldn't right. take it. So and they board up this memorial so that people can't, quote, unquote, see it. And then, of course, it was announced that they were going to move it right about now, right after Columbus Day. And nobody kind of said anything. And I was really surprised. And when you take a look at the memorial, they're not Confederate soldiers, all of them. Where are they? Well, several of them are merchant seamen. One is a passenger. One's a random citizen. I guess there were hundreds of Confederates sort of randomly imprisoned. You know, um, some of them just interned, in fact, during the war. And what's your problem with the removal? Well, these are just – you, know you know what I didn't have the guts to say is, like, this could be your son. I mean, like, what the hell? Are you kidding me? Also, what I sort of did have the guts to say is, are you kidding me? Do you think, do you think everybody who fought on the Confederate side in the Civil War was, was a bloodthirsty racist who hated blacks and owned 5,000? But it's not a tribute to the individuals. It's a tribute to the cause, is you're, it not? No, you're completely and, wrong. And, and by the way, they name them, don't they, they? The individuals are named. It has nothing to do with no, the No, I'm cause. talking about in the minds of the observed. Do you think anybody who's ever objected about this is talking about the individuals who are portrayed? Well, here, talking, here's the difference. Do, here's the difference, which I can totally see. It is one thing to say the leaders, General Lee and the people that ran the Confederacy and Jefferson Davis, et cetera, it's a little bit different. I can see the difference between the people that were, whether they wanted to or not, forced to pick up arms and fight I, for the Confederacy. I don't agree. Would they get a pass because of that? Because they may have, they, I mean, want to make the same argument well, about well, Nazis? I mean, yes, yes. And right. there should and be I, tributes to them? The, well, I well you write about the Normandy thing. I mean, I mean thing. come on. I mean, if you By know, the way, you know that they're not destroying. My understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, they're not destroying this this thing. They're moving it. Is that not correct? They're moving them. Well, they're moving it to, where to the archives can, or to something. Where people can't see it. That's for the, now, for now, that's not a permanent thing, from what I understand. Think, but go we, ahead. Well, I mean, I don't know. I I just think I think it's desecration of of the graves of, of basically innocent people about whom we know nothing. I kind of criticize the lack of imagination, frankly. I mean. You're a big Baker fan, we should say. You're not a Baker I'm a trasher big, for no, those. No, I'm a big Baker fan. I know you are. I wanted yeah. people to know that. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Well, anyway, and I, I get, as I, as I write in the piece, I understand why he did it completely. But I, I, and I, and I Why did he do it? Be, because you just get rid of the headache. He doesn't need the headache. He's smart. I, I respect him for that. But that doesn't mean I don't need the headache. I can handle the headache. Um, you know, and I mean... If you know anything, I mean, World War II is a very complex issue. I mean, super complex. But if you know anything about, you know, the last days of the Third Reich when, you know, 12-year-olds were forced to carry guns and lost their lives defending Berlin. I mean, these 12-year-olds really weren't anti-Semites. They weren't agents of the SS. They were 12-year-olds. So, I mean, this idea – and and this hasn't happened, by the way. There's been no desecration of of German graveyards. In fact, quite the opposite. Um, As I point out – In Normandy. Um, in Normandy, there's there's this kind of somber respect for this terrible hecatomb of mass death on all sides. Wait, it's, it's who? 
Hecatomb. Hecatomb. I just thought I would. I miss Hecatomb being what again? I have no idea. <laughs> it's a synonym for slaughter. Oh, slaughter. Why'd you say slaughter, by the way? Because want I wanted to, to get you going. <laughs> How do you spell Hecatomb, please? H-E-C-A-T-O-M-B. Hecatomb. So does that mean like thousands of tombs in Latin or I something? Think it, uh, I don't know, Greek for sure. It's obviously Greek, in his contract. Yeah, mass, mass well, period, that's running yeah. at some point in the future so we can criticize it more when it uh, comes out. <laughs> yeah, we won't take a, we'll take a second bite at that apple. Do you see the story about, I mean, we often talk about religion with the two of you because, I mean, this is, Marjorie doesn't like, I mean, you're both pretty religious people. I mean, you are. I mean, you've written that Joseph Smith thing. What's that book called? American Crucifixion. About the Mormons. About the Mormons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What do you think about these, essentially these ATM priests? I mean, that's a (laughs) I don't mean that disrespectfully, but they're called Bless You Too is what it is. I mean, it, I mean, there's a shortage, is there not? And I'm so, really down. I want to hear what Marjorie has to say. Well, it's it's, a, it's talk little, about desecration. It does seem a little <laughs> weird to go up to the ATM and and get a blessing there. You know, the uh, in Württemberg, Germany, or something. Yeah. Right? The what is the Isaiah thing? I call. Oh, here it is. I called you by name. You were mine. So you go to your ATM. Yeah. And you put in your money, and then the little machine, the, little the thing. blessing thing says, yeah. I called you by name, you were mine, you're it's getting money. It's in Martin Luther's hometown, mm. man. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, maybe they want people to think more about blessings or the Almighty while they're at their ATMs or other places. I read this story, and I know, you know, we, we kind of took a look. There's, there's all kinds of weird stuff involving technology and religion. And the more I read it, the more I realized that religion is... I mean, and you're welcome to criticize me. The, 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 state, the stuff of religion is person to person. Like I remember that this came up a few years ago where you could email a blessing to, to, to the Wailing Wall. You could send an email to Jerusalem and somebody, I guess, would insert a small piece of paper. Oh. <laughs> and I re- I've come to realize that everything I care about religion involves like the laying on of hands, the recital of prayers, that it is a it is a profoundly human experience, and I don't want some bleeping ATM, machine. Yeah. some machine kind of spewing something out. For okay, me. I think that sums it up beautifully. Okay. I, I can do no better than that. Well, we can wonderful. do a, Can we do a religion quiz for Alex that was given to us last night? Can we say who? I think we can say who gave us the quiz. Oh, can he's going to know this. I don't think he will. Okay, can we try ahead. it? Go ahead. You go ahead. After we were at the debate last night at Rock's vote and Rock's at Hibernian Hall, the first mayoral debate, <laughs> halitosis and Hall. It, and afterwards, I didn't say <laughs> that. Either. So afterwards. Uh, who? After I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. Afterwards, we went to uh, we uh, we still stuck around for a few minutes to speak to some people on both sides, the Walsh side and the Jackson side. And one of the people uh, who we spoke to was Superintendent Willie Gross, and he gave us a little quiz, a small Uh-oh. quiz. And he said 98 percent of the people he's given it to, mostly students in his office, have gotten it wrong. Uh, what was the name uh, that Martin Luther King Jr. was born with? Well, I don't know that. You don't? No, I didn't know oh, it either. I'm so glad I you thought you were going to ask. Either. I thought you were going to ask him a different one. No, well, that one, and the answer is uh, Michael King Jr. Yeah. And can you explain to Alex at least what Willie Gross told us as to why his name ended up being Martin Luther King Jr.? I think because Martin Luther was a famed, you know, he was the, the, the reformer that that reformed the Catholic Church and caused a big split where people became. Uh, um, yeah, like me, Protestants. Yeah, the Protestants. Uh, but I think it was because... And his, his father, father decided as a result to re- essentially rename him. Yes. Right? What age was, was he renamed? I don't know. I don't know. We didn't I don't ask know. that question. I thought you were going to ask him about Martin Luther sticking the 67 epistles theses, or whatever the he did to the door. Yeah. yeah. Well, ask that question. Go ahead. Well, he asked how he could do that. Yeah. And I didn't know. Do you have scotch tape in those days? What'd you do? He nailed them to the door. Oh, he nailed them to the door. Okay, well, yeah. fine. Thanks he knew for it. that. Okay. Well, I okay. actually fine. guess he did. <laughs> We're talking to uh, Alex Beam. That was a weird aside, Jim. Well, it wasn't a weird aside. It was an interesting exchange. No, that I was, was kind of... I, I mean, but I don't think... 
most people know that about Martin Luther I know. King. He said 98% of the people uh, who he's asked yeah, the question I never did knew not that. know the answer. I never yeah. knew that. But, but you, know what, you know what, speaking, religiously speaking, though, you know what I think is fascinating about Martin Luther King? I think we've had this discussion before, that for all the things people mention about him, you know how like when Sarah Palin says she was talking to God and he told her to run for vice president, that kind of stuff? Yeah. But Martin Luther King, the famous kitchen table conversion, you know about that? No, I don't. You don't? My, my lack of knowledge about Martin Luther King is quite astonishing. I, it is astonishing. I'm yeah. surprised at that. Go ahead, Marjorie. He had a kitchen table conversion where yeah. Martin Luther King in his own book and uh, Burying the Cross and other people that have written about Martin Luther King, some of them anyway, talk about this, that he was 26 or 27 and he, he picked up the phone at midnight and he got a death threat and he was scared to death. He didn't really want to do this because, number one, he was scared for his wife and his baby that were asleep in the next room and, number two, because he really kind of saw a more peaceful life for himself than leading the civil rights movement and he talked about hearing the voice of Jesus Christ saying, mm-hmm. I will be with you until you... Uh, until you draw your last breath. Don't really? be afraid. I feel we have you. to give you one quiz question you're going to get right about the Lord. You want to do one? You're going to ask me about who, who, who does George Bush say told him to go into Iraq? Oh, I don't know. I assume Jesus Christ. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Thank yeah. you very much. Oh, no, so, thank so you. It's That's interesting. Time the reason I mention is because people thank ridicule you. like George Bush and Sarah Palin, but people but not, don't ridicule Martin Luther King excellent point. for that. Okay, Probably because people don't know. Time has come. This is you a, know, four- a lot of people have heard that. I mean, that's... Excuse yeah, me. I understand where you're going with this. I know. A lot of people have heard the voice of God. And a lot of people would like to hear the voice of God. Yeah. Have you heard the voice of God? No, but I'd like to. Okay, frankly. fine. So I need now, some straightening out. Okay, Any moment. 45-second <laughs> oh, explainer is about to happen. Now, as we, Alex, please get with the program. This is a great now, explainer, by the Al, way. I know, well, I'm told it is. I don't even know what it is, but I'm told it is. Now, is this one of these weeks where you have to explain the explainer, or can you just get into it? No, if this is one of these weeks where it's better not to explain the explainer. Fine. But I, but I really, but I want, I want some time. I'm, How I'm, much time do you I'm need? 55 seconds? What are you kidding? Okay. No, I want a minute. A minute, a minute okay. 20. No, a minute 20. No, we're not you giving a minute up. 20. You have a minute. Uh, okay. This I'll is the 45-second <laughs> explainer in a minute starting now. Go ahead. We're going to explain the urinal fly and why the urinal fly <laughs> is directly relevant to the Nobel Prize in Economics that was awarded just a few days ago. To Thaler? Is that to Richard Thaler, yeah, yeah okay, the University right. of Chicago. Yeah. And hilariously, at Schilpol Airport, which I always point out was at one time run by an ex-girlfriend of mine, but Ooh, that's not important. Really? It's really still, me. One of the largest and busiest um, airports in, in the world. It's in Amsterdam. They had a terrible problem with urinal spillage, as they call it. <laughs> this is a men's issue, not a women's <laughs> issue. Um, and it's disgusting. In fact, I was in an airport urinal just yesterday, and right. it, it is it's a terrible problem. Terrible. Um, so at Schilpol, they came up with what, it, through Thaler, has now famously become known as a, a nudge, which was a, a way to eliminate urinal spillage. They etched a black image of a fly, a common house fly, right at the drain of the <laughs> urinal. Give them another 15 seconds. This is really good. A lot of thought went into this. They, they were thinking of a spider, but they realized, no, that would scare people. But they realized everyone hates flies. And they aim at the fly? They aimed at the fly. <laughs> they reduced, these are great statistics, they reduced overall spillage by 80%, and they reduced cleaning bills at Schilpol Airport in Amsterdam by 8% in the course of this the year. This is why he won the Nobel Prize? It's an example of, of what in Thaler's um, in th- sort of Thaler's behavioral oh, economics has become okay. known as a nudge. Okay, fine. In other words, it's, it's something that, that moves people in the direction mm-hmm. of 
of correct behavior. Thank other you. classic examples. So when he goes well, to well, get, wait, collect up. his prize, they're not going to say Richard Thaler. Here's gets, the urinal. Here's the urinal okay. fly award. They're uh, not going to say it, that, are they? Quickly, what are the other examples? You're about to say other nudges. Well, the other the other classic quickly. example is is putting healthy foods at eye level in the supermarket. Oh. Like you can't get nudge. people to eat healthy foods. Everyone hates them. Great. But if you put them at eye, and the other one is, I hope. I mean, I don't know what GBH does for you. The other one is requiring is is having an opt out. IRA to get people to save for their retirement. By the way, based on that criterion, Jacques Pepin should win the Nobel Prize for Economics because he described us the other day. What did he say? How do you get young kids to eat healthy food? You have them cook with you. Have them cook with you. And if they cook the food, they're going to want to eat the food. And he did that with his daughter, Claudine, who was here, and his granddaughter, Shori, who Claudine? was here. Claudine. 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 Nice to see you, Alex. Yeah, Alex. You done or what? I wonder if my kids will come with me to find the, the kid, McDonald's exactly. kitchen. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, because that's where I do my Fine. cooking. Thank you. Nice to see you. All right, okay. nice to be back. Alex Beam cool. joins yeah. us regularly. He's a columnist for the Boston actually. Globe. His latest book is The Feud, Vladimir Nabokov, Edmund Wilson, and the End of a Beautiful Friendship. Thank you very much, Alex. See you, Alex. Coming up, cool. yeah. Steve Bannon calls on the American prospect again to share his grand plan for upending the GOP. The man who spoke to Bannon, Robert Kuttner, joins us for that and more next on 89.7 WGBH, Boston Public Radio. Zesty local flavor with piping hot takes on the day's issues, served up with sparkling conversation and a side order of whatever Jim picked up at Whole Foods. It's Boston Public Radio on 89.7 WGBH, served up fresh every day thanks to your support. Call 888-897-9424 or pitch in online at wgbhnews.org. So we really hope you will pitch in online or by calling us at 888-897-9424, wgbhnews.org. We have these fundraisers every once in a while, and nearly all our money comes from listeners like you, so we really appreciate you giving whatever you can give. We'll take a little. We'll take a lot. Today, we have a very special gift. It's a WGBH mini Bluetooth speaker. I'm holding it, it up right now. I'm bright hungry. orange. Jim is holding it up right Thank now. You. It's lovely. It features a WGBH logo. The deal is that it can be used with any Bluetooth-enabled device. Turn it on. Your phone, tablet finds it, and it has has this big stereo sound. You know what? We have a size in here. People don't say it's the size of two inches or one inches, whatever. It's the size of a golf ball. It is actually the size. That's it's, a good it's one. It's the size of a golf like ball. It's not like a golf ball. It's the size okay, of fine. a golf ball. Cylindrical. So that's what you get for $10 a month or a one-shot 120 buck uh, contribution. We really appreciate whatever you can give. Again, 888-897-9424-WGBHnews.org. And ordinarily, it's 180 bucks. I don't know if you said that. It disappears at 7 o'clock. Does it not disappear at 7 o'clock? It disappears at 7 o'clock. Oh, okay. Oh, it goes up to the full price thing at 7 o'clock. My okay. apologies. I want to thank Mary. Marianne from, or Marianne to you, Jim, from North Providence, quote, listening to Jim and Marjorie sets the tone for my days. How nice is that, by the way? Gary from Littleton and Bruce from Cambridge says, listens from the Digital Lab at the BPL, one of our favorite places. We're there every Tuesday and Friday. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Marianne. You know, this whole, uh, if you've been listening all day, you've heard me say this, but it really bears uh, mentioning again. Uh, we talk in the newsroom about how important these pledges things are. And they're not only important for the bottom line of WGBH, which I hope you care about. They're at least equally important for the psyche of people who work pretty hard. Our colleagues in that newsroom work like dogs to do the best work they can do for you. And I hope you agree it's really high quality. I assume it's the only reason you're listening. And this is a real psychological lift for hard workers. So we thank you for it. It means a lot, as I say, not just financially, 
but psychologically to all of us. And you can participate in that psychological healing, or for lack of a better expression, at 888-897-9424-WGBHnews.org. And by the way, Marjorie has not heard this little speaker. I have heard this little speaker. The sound is stunning, particularly in light of the fact that it is tiny as it is, it Marjorie is tiny Egan. It is, and I think we can agree, Jim, we all want to participate in that psychological healing. Okay, just... I shouldn't have said healing. I didn't mean healing. <laughs> psychological <you> <laughs> uplifting, whatever it is. Spoke about, because healing is what we're all about here at WGBH. Okay, Boston Marjorie. Public Radio. Sorry and I said it. It's, it's okay. What's the phone number again? The phone number is 888-897-9424-WGBHnews.org. And as I always say, if you weren't listening to us talking about pledges and asking you to contribute to WGBH, you would be listening to endless commercials, which are really horrible for everyone involved. So we do appreciate whatever you can do to help us out here at WGBH. We get this cool little uh, Bluetooth-enabled WGBH logoed orange uh, little speaker. I want you to say what you want to say is you really want people to give in the next hour. It's fine to give any time, but it matters to Marjorie a lot that it, it happens during our well, show. Well, it means that, you know, that much as you like WGBH, you, you really like us. That makes us very happy. And Or you and really like one of us. We really like one really, of us. That is true. It could we be don't Jim. Care. could be me. We don't, we'll take it either way. Anyway, it doesn't it matter. And you get the speaker, by the way, as you said, 10 bucks a month sustainer or 120, 120 in one fell swoop. We really appreciate it. 888-897-9424-WGBHnews.org. Welcome back to Boston Public Radio. I'm Jim Browdy. She is Marjorie. And it was a move that ultimately looked like career suicide by publicity. Steve Bannon's unsolicited interview with American Prospects' Bob Kuttner. Bannon talked China, Korea, and his enemies in the White House. The day after the article was published, Bannon was out. Well, he called Kuttner again, or at least they had a conversation and a meeting again, this time to talk about blowing up the GOP. Roy Moore's win in that Alabama Republican primary is probably an indication of what he believes it could look like. Robert Kuttner is co-founder and co-editor of the American Prospect, professor of Brandeis University's Heller School. His forthcoming book is called Can Democracy Survive Global Capitalism? Bob Kuttner, it's great to see you. How are you? It's lovely to be here. Yeah, so you really got the, the, the big coup of the uh, of certainly this last uh, several months, anyway, if not the whole year, with this interview with, with Bannon. He's still in the news. I mean, constantly now, we heard today, he's, he's ridiculing the president's Trump plan, saying it's not going to go to truckers, it's not going to help the middle class. Tax plan. Uh, a tax plan, yeah, what did I say? Trump plan. Trump plan, tax plan. It's not going to go to truckers, it's going to go to wealthy people, which it, it probably is. And he also said that the 30% chance that the president doesn't last his whole first term. So tell people how this uh, whole thing came about. You want you want uh, Bannon part one or Bannon part two? <laughs> we'll take part one and two. Okay, so part one, I'll do this briefly. Uh, I was uh, happily ensconced in the Berkshires uh, listening to music, and this odd email came across my screen from someone purporting to be Bannon's assistant saying, Mr. Bannon, read your column on how China is taking the United States to the cleaners on trade, on manufacturing on Korea, and he'd like you to come to the White House to talk about it. So I said, well, gee, I'm on vacation with my family, but uh, I would love it if he wanted to speak on the phone. And so a few minutes later, Bannon calls, uh, made what I think was a rookie error. People argue about this. He never said we're on background, so I started recording. And, um, and then he said all these wildly incautious things, and then the next day he was out. Now... <laughs> Observing Bannon, uh, all the mischief he's making out, uh, it occurred to me that maybe I did him a favor. So I sent him a text message, and I said, I think maybe I did you a favor. 
uh, you want to talk? He said, yeah, you know, come over to the Breitbart Embassy and let's talk. And so I did. And he said, all right, let's do this one on background. I said, well, uh, how about if I can convey the gist of what you're saying? And how about if my readers can know the gist of what you said, but no direct quotes? He said, fine. And so what he said was basically what he confirmed on the record about two days later, uh, namely that uh, he wants to run insurgent candidates as economic nationalists uh, against every incumbent Republican senator with, with the exception of Ted Cruz. And um, the point here is that Bannon is selling to Trump the idea that you blend white nationalism with economic nationalism. You you racialize economic grievances. You get white voters, especially white downwardly mobile working class voters, but also middle class voters, to see their grievances in terms of racism. And then you marry it to an economic program that really helps them out. It's the second part of this that Trump is not buying. And well, and, by the way, neither is Roy Moore, his role model. Yes, I mean, that's you. what I don't get. I mean, Moore is with the white nationalism part of it. He's not with the economic Precisely. nationalism, right? And, uh, yeah, and few of the Republicans are right. And that was my point to to Bannon, and in the second article that I wrote about this, that he, if there were Republicans who could do this, this might be very damaging to Democrats. But it's kind of a null set. Roy Moore is not an economic nationalism, and I don't think most of the 15 Republicans who he's going to get to challenge incumbents are economic nationalists in a sense that would do anything for workers. And let's define economic nationalism for a minute. Uh, here's what I mean by it. You, you don't let other countries, specifically China, uh, steal your industries through a combination of coercive trade deals, subsidized capital, and cheap labor, and uh, demands that you, the American company, transfer technology to your Chinese partner and produce only for export, by the way, not for sale to the Chinese market. That's a terrible deal. And those are the sorts of deals that Wall Street just loves. So he's not going to get Republicans to oppose those deals. He's not going to get Republicans to support higher taxes on rich people and lower taxes on regular people. And he's not going to get Republicans to support massive public infrastructure programs. Interestingly, the one test case that's in the headlines today is NAFTA, where Bannon's sort of economic nationalism looks like Trump might be embracing it. Bob Lighthizer, who's the top trade negotiator, is for taking a very tough line on revising or repealing NAFTA. But the corporate lobbies are going absolutely nuts. And you got two guys from Goldman right, with the two top economic posts, uh, Gary Cohn and Steve Mnuchin. Yep. And by the time they and the Chamber of Commerce get through with this, we're really going to see whether Bannon's brand of economic nationalism or the U.S. Chamber of Commerce's brand of economic internationalism is going to carry the day. And by the way, the way this whole thing started, you told us when you called in after your first uh, uh, White House job killing, meaning Bannon's <laughs> job killing interview, was he thought that you guys from the right and the left, could find common ground on this economic nationalism thing. But he sort of, once again, at least to me, well, I, and I know to you, sort of misunderstood where you ultimately were, no? Yeah, on, on both things. I mean, first of all, uh, even if I agreed with him on what we mean by economic nationalism, he's still a racist. So I'm not going to get in bed with this guy, and most progressives are not going to get in bed with this guy. But beyond that, if you unpack 
the various elements of economic nationalism. A big infrastructure program, and, uh, and that, by the way, means a stronger state. Mm -hmm. And all these right-wing Republicans are against a stronger state. It means progressive taxation. They're against that. So what you're left with is maybe getting tough with China. But, of course, Wall Street loves the current deal with China. You know, well, Bob Cutting, the one thing, you know, after this Roy Moore thing, you know, Democrats are in, a, in exultation because they're convinced that Steve Bannon, with this effort to run primaries against incumbent establishment Republicans, whatever that means, is going to rip the Republican Party asunder. And the Democrats, even though they're very little margin of error, is going to retake the Senate or at least get a lot closer. My politics is so personal. Roy Moore is a legend, uh, unlike almost anybody else in state politics. He stands up to the Supreme Court. He gets removed from his own judicial seat. The Ten Commandments, we've all read about this sort of stuff. Unless you can find a Roy Moore-like character in all these other states where an establishment Republican is running for re-election, the whole thing comes apart at the seams, does it not? Well, I think it's going to be kind of a mixed picture. I mean, I think you've got guys like Dean Heller in, uh, Nevada. in Nevada and uh, Jeff Flake in uh, Arizona who may be vulnerable. He may knock off two or three of them. He may even – and those are swing states. So mm -hmm. he may even make it possible for Democrats to take back some of these swing Senate seats. But I don't know what rock he's going to find uh, a right-wing, social conservative, lefty economic nationalist under – uh, much less uh, knock off an incumbent. Well, that's what's so bizarre about him because, uh, you know, he's not a dope, obviously. He's no. a very smart guy, runs Breitbart website. He's got to realize that there's a real conflict here between – and you know, the Democrats are in bed with Wall Street too, so it's not like the Republicans are – everybody's in bed with Wall Street. Um, so what is – do you have any sense – by the way – what was it like being next to him? Was he, you know, is he fast talker, slow talker, highly caffeinated? I understand. Was the bright were the Breitbart digs impressive, or were they just kind of like any old newspaper office? Well, the, the okay. So picture a Capitol Hill townhouse. Yep. And the ground floor has a lot of flunkies running around, and then you go up this flight of stairs on the outside. And on the outside. Yes, and there. So you check in downstairs. Yep. And you know they want to make sure that. You are who you purport to be, yeah. and then after Unarmed. a decent interval, uh, you are escorted up the stairs, and Mr. Bannon greets you at the top of the first floor, which oh. is his residence. Really? Kind of like Isabella Stewart Garden Museum, making people walk up the stairs to <laughs> shake your hand? Well, w without, the, without the class. Okay. <laughs> so um, he is very full of himself. He's very self-caffeinating. Uh, I leave it to other people to decide whether this is self-caffeinating or whether it's some other drug. And he's he's always incredibly intense, and he's got a much more coherent view of what he's trying to accomplish strategically than Trump does. You know, it, speak, there's one other uh, commonality that I could figure out in the last couple of days between the two of you. There's this Vanity Fair piece in which uh, Steve Bannon says 30 percent odds that Trump finishes his term. And there's another piece in The American Prospect written by none other than you, The Trump Nightmare, How It Ends. You both think it ends early. He thinks it ends because of the 25th Amendment, which we're not going to bore people with again, this thing that none of us even knew about other than if a president is shot or incapacitated. Or certifiably nuts. Right, which is the part that we never heard about before right. Section 4, whatever it is. Lay out for us in a minute or two, Bob, if you can, your scenario about how the what you call the Trump nightmare ends. I think what happens is that uh, Mueller comes out with this report and um, there is enough of a smoking gun. For instance, uh, I mean, there are 
speculative but semi-documented reports out there that Jared uh, Kushner was the air traffic controller for the Cambridge Analytica scam with the Russians, telling them exactly where to micro-target mm -hmm. their, their uh, mischief, uh, the fake ads and the so forth. Um, that plus the fact that we're going to find out in a lot more gory detail because they have access to Trump's tax returns, exactly how the Russians have been bailing out his failed business deals for years. So at that point, uh, as someone said 100 years ago, Republican leaders are going to repair to a smoke-filled room and they're going to have a conversation about whether we're better off ditching this guy now or going into the midterm with him. And I think the preponderance of him, especially look at Mitch McConnell, look at the abuse he's taking from Bannon, from Trump, from a lot of other people. Uh, a lot of Republicans have just had a belly full of Trump. Uh, they may not get their tax deal. So at that point, they're going to say, you know, better to, better to regroup under Pence now. And a messenger is dispatched to say to Trump, uh, you need to resign or you will be faced with a bipartisan inquiry of impeachment. And if you think your brand has been damaged so far, just imagine what several months of this on the front pages leading the news will be like. And then Trump goes. And maybe there's a deal he doesn't get prosecuted. So that's, that's my scenario. I, I also like Bannon's scenario. I mean, I think he is certifiably nuts. And at some point, you, you need a critical mass of cabinet, cabinet members, members right. saying um, this guy's a wacko and he needs to step aside. Well, maybe you, when you have drinks next time with Steve Bannon, can figure it out, Bob, and do the whole uh, deal. Well, also, Bannon spent an awful lot of time with him. And thinks, he would know. And thinks that things he's a 25th Amendment kind of candidate. Anyway, we are talking with American Prospects Robert Cutner. We're going to keep talking to him after this brief break. You're listening to 89.7 WGBH, Boston Public Radio. This is Boston Public Radio on WGBH, made possible thanks to listener contributions. Your support of just $10 or $20 a month keeps all these great conversations coming your way. Please take a moment to give now at WGBHnews.org or call 888-897-9424. Okay, we've got 45 minutes left in the show. We'd really appreciate it if between now and 2 o'clock uh, you could contribute something to uh, Boston Public Radio, which means contributing something to all of GBH, which is on seven days a week, 24 hours a day. It really means a lot to us if you do it now because... We can brag about it. You know what I mean? We, so we get a lot of callers during our show. And that makes me feel good. It anyway, makes me feel good. I'm here, mocking Marjorie. Here's Blackwell what we have way. for an enticement. We have uh, for $10 a month, or a hundred, and that's the sustainer, which is much better for us because we can plan the budget. But for 10 bucks a month or 120 bucks in one fell swoop, we will give you this little golf ball-sized orange speaker. Bright orange, the WGBH logo on it. The deal is you can just you can work it with any Bluetooth-enabled device. You just turn it on, uh, switch it on your phone, and, and your tablet will find it, and you get this great stereo sound, which is really incredible because it's only the size of a golf ball. That's what we'll get. Normally, you'd have to pay 180 bucks for this, but right now you can get this for just 10 bucks a month, and that is uh, until 7 o'clock tonight, but we hope you do it before 2 o'clock so Jim and I get the credit. 888-897-9424-WGBHnews.org. And again, as we say all the time, doesn't matter what amount. If you can't afford that, give what you can to be part of the family here. If you can afford a lot more, then decide to do that too. Also, this is an anti-procrastination 
mission message in the past. Before I started working here, I said, I'm going to give, I'm going to give. I didn't do it. I felt really hard, horrible about it. Do it now. Get it over with. It's a quick call. It takes just a couple of minutes, 888-897-9424, or you can go online. You don't have to talk to anybody at wgbhnews.org. Why are you laughing? I'm just laughing because uh, people can send funny emails about things. Well, obviously, it's about me. It is. Okay, fine. They're looking let's, for the, I told you, they're looking for the smug on. mug. Right. They want one of the smug mugs. We'll discuss mugs. that at some point. That's, that's coming that's back some mug point. with Jim's picture on the side where he's got his arms folded, his it's nose up in smug. the air. It's, it's a little smug. It's very smug. That's why we retired it for this it's cycle. Very embarrassing We'll, go, we'll get back all. to it again. What's the number, Marjorie? <laughs> the number is 888-897-9424, WGBHnews.org. You want to thank anybody? I do. Want, oh, my goodness. It's right in front of me. Yes, it I is. I want to thank Donna from Dighton. I started my career covering the Dighton Zoning Board of Appeals. I thought you covered the Poland. Flag that commission. was in Westport, I, the Deceptical Lagoon Commission. Oh, sorry. A big cesspool. That was sorry. my big scoop, okay. so to speak. <laughs> she and her husband, Donna from Dighton, she and her husband listen every day and discuss Thank you, Donna, over and dinner. Husband. husband does not interrupt Donna. Don, okay. you, Donna, I want you to know that, Jim. Next. John from Bedford and Judy from Braintree. Thank you very much. Let me give you the number and the website one more time. 888-897-9424-WGBHnews.org. Welcome back to Boston Public Radio. I am Jim Bradley. She is Marjorie Egan. If you're just tuning in, we're talking with Bob Cutner. He's the co-founder, co-editor of The American Prospect and the benefactor of Steve Bannon. Well, I'd say America is the benefactor of Steve Bannon's uh, interviews. Okay. Before I get back to a serious question, just one more sort of superficial question about Steve Bannon. He does look kind of disheveled when you see him. Was he disheveled when you interviewed him? Was like in a oh, pair twice of- as disheveled in my life. <laughs> what was he wearing? Cargo shorts? T-shirt? What was he? He's just wearing a, you know... a. Scruffy clothes. Scruffy clothes. Yeah. A couple of days, beard, that kind of and thing. And also, you know, he's very truculent. I mean, yeah. he, mm. you know, much of what he says is unprintable. And he's the toughest kid on the block, and he's tougher than you are, and he's tougher than Trump is, and he's tougher than anybody else. And you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to beat you liberals because we're tougher than you are, and it's that sort of Yeah, the street banter. brawler thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, street fighter, I guess is what he calls himself. Yeah. Okay, you wrote a piece um, – Basically, basically arguing that Barack Obama should be speaking out in these times about what's going on. Tell us what you said. Well, two reasons. First of all, if you look at the general incoherence of, of Trump, there is one signal that shines out bright and clear amid the noise, and that is anything that Obama did, good, bad, indifferent, he wants to repeal. Yeah. So whether it's Obamacare, whether it's Iran, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, the the, the – uh, the, um, Healthcare. Uh, the, the clean power plant, well, the clean power week, plant. Yeah. Um, there's about eight of them, and um, uh, DACA. DACA. You know? So if Obama did it, I'm against it. And um, <clears throat> the other reason is that just imagine a split screen. Here's Obama. Here's Trump. Wh- which one is the president that we'd be proud of? And uh, who knows how to talk about race when he's at his best? He doesn't like to talk about race. But if you remember the the uh, the, yes. the episode with with his preacher, Reverend which Wright. almost cost him the mm-hmm. nomination, and this was not just a random preacher, this guy married uh, the Obamas. This guy baptized his two kids, and he gives this speech. This is March of '08, which ends with "Goddamn America." So Barack had to explain why Jeremiah Wright's generation is so angry, and why he admires him as a person, why he doesn't agree with him. And why he can be trusted on race. He had to do it perfectly, and he did. So if ever we need 
a voice that shows what a president of stature and dignity and probity and intellect and concern for the common good looks like, and somebody who can talk about race. Don't forget, 40% of white working class voters voted for Barack Obama because he represented something different. He represented hope. Now, he wasn't as insurgent as many of us hoped he would be, but compared to Trump, so be a risk. This guy didn't take risks. He's enjoying his retirement, lecture fees, hanging out with his family, building his library. He's earned it. But now is a moment for him to come back and serve his country. But to what, you know, by the way, emotionally, I'm totally with you. I mean, I could not be more with you. But when I read your piece, I'm saying to myself, to what consequence? I mean, Trump's approval ratings are basically down to the corest of his core base. The Democrats are, at least in Congress, are uh, united in their opposition to virtually anything Donald Trump does, except maybe cut the corporate tax rate. So is it to move the American people? What's the end game? What do we achieve? That's the right question, Jim. It, it, it's to remind uh, the people who voted for Trump because they really didn't like Hillary. And there is this middle group that there, 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 there's a better way. Oh, sure. To remind people that there's a better – you're never going to get the hardcore 25, 28 percent of haters. But, boy, there's a lot of people in between that hardcore and the hardcore Democrats uh, who Obama knows how to speak to. The, the, the other reason is that – you got, I don't know, at last count, 21 or 22 people sort of hinting that they might run for president. So the one leading Democrat who's not running for president is Barack Obama. And the problem is anybody else gives a speech, people discount it that, oh, so and so is running for president. You, you, you can't discount that with Obama. Yeah, but the, the other concern <clears throat> uh, I would assume that someone with your politics would have is we took a huge amount of heat from listeners when both of us said – uh, uh, figuratively, Hillary Clinton should have stayed in the woods. She had her time, uh, no more. Uh, and really took a, a lot of criticism from people we have pretty good relationships uh, with. But it wasn't because it was critical of the content of her speech. It was because she crowds out everything when she speaks. If Barack Obama speaks, and by the way, he has on the the original travel ban, the original vote to repeal uh, and replace Obamacare, at least in, in the Trump era, Paris Climate Accords and the DACA decision. If he speaks, he crowds at everybody. And it seems to me you got to develop a, someone like you would want to make sure right. that the voices of the new leaders, whoever the hell they are, the Democratic Party, get heard loud and clear. That doesn't yeah, worry I, you? Well, I'm not saying he needs to speak out day after day after day for the next You want him to years. give a series of I speeches. Wanna, I, I want to, you know, uh, what, 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 are the, what are the Harvard, uh, the, the endowed lectures? I mean, I want him to give him four <laughs> lectures on American democracy mm. and uh, red state, blue state, United States and who we are as a people and high-minded, important stuff that would rally Americans to be their best. Why is he not doing it? Because he subscribes to the age-old, uh, the best former presidents or the quiet former presidents? Is it that simple? Yeah, that's, that's a norm. But, of course, these are not normal times. And, and then, obviously, somebody needs to emerge from this pack who is a better economic populist than Donald Trump or Steve Bannon. Otherwise, we lose again. Yeah, you think the Democrats are in big trouble. Well, I think they're in trouble if they don't. Look, Sanders was not even a Democrat. Right. Sanders had a lot of, uh, I want to pick my words carefully because people are listening to this show. I hope so. Uh, Sanders Sanders had a lot of traits that rubbed some people the wrong way, but he was perceived as a truth teller Mm -hmm. about how Americans were getting screwed by this economy, by Wall Street, by both parties. So you need somebody who can do that 
even better than Sanders did, who's more plausible than Sanders, who's not 78 years old. That might be Elizabeth Warren. It might be Sherrod Brown. It's certainly somebody from that wing of the party who can talk economic progressivism in a way that speaks to the lived experience of regular people. It's certainly not somebody from the center or the center right of the party. You know, speaking of us getting, uh, I wouldn't, I was going to say hate mail, it wasn't hate mail, well, critical mail from people who said, how dare you say that Hillary Clinton, we didn't say she didn't have the right to speak. We prefer that other newer voices on all sides uh, speak. You wrote in your piece, you took a lot of, a huge amount of heat when you criticized Obama for taking those $400,000 speech uh, fees. I am totally with you. And I never understood why Hillary Clinton did it, considering she was knee-deep, I mean, neck-deep in huge amount of money. Her husband and she were making a ton of dough. Why is she taking 250000 a speech? He's making a ton of money. Obviously, as a right, as you say, to charge. Why is he doing this? I mean, why, why is he taking money from here's a, here's a investment wild, bankers or whatever the hell he's here's doing? Here's a wild guess, Jim. He's doing it for the money. And – my point is he has an absolute right to do of it. Of course this he is, does. This is America. And let him keep doing it. But let him speak out as a former great president as well. I mean, uh, I admire Jimmy Carter immensely. His post-presidency was so much better than his uh, presidency. Oh, my gosh. One of the reasons was he didn't take money from Wall Street. And um, Mike Dukakis, you know, is Cincinnatus. He's a great man. He went back to the, cl- you know, Cincinnati, who yeah. went back to the plow. Yeah. Well, Mike Dukakis went back to the classroom. He's not taking money from Wall Street. But the point is, um, it's unseemly. It doesn't look good. Um, he's got a right to do it. But there are so many other things he could be doing. And uh, I-, I think it's terribly important that the next Democrat be as plausible a pocketbook progressive as Bernie and better than Bernie. And Bernie, by the way, speaking to people who should get out of the way, Bernie needs to get out of the way. Because he's 78 years old or 70-something years old? Wait, wait, why has he got to get out of the way? Well, A, he's too old to run for president. B, there's a lot of – there was a book called Games People Play back in the day by a psychologist named Eric Byrne. And one of the games was Let's You and Him Fight. And a lot of the Bernie bros really want to keep this going. They're furious that that the Mm -hmm. nomination was – Stolen. They're furious that uh, Perez came in and uh, became head of the DNC. And so a lot of folks just want to keep, you know, Bernie, our revolution, Hmm? want to keep this going. He should, after a decent interval, as Frank Snapp said, get out of the way and let Elizabeth Warren, Sherrod Brown, uh, Hal Franken, let a real progressive emerge. Otherwise, it's the circular firing squad. These Democrats are all going to chop each other up, and then some Republican, even Mike Pence, uh, could succeed Trump, which would be more of a travesty. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, there was good news in Kuttner's message in there, here and there. Yeah, so. yeah I, I, I guess so. I think it's unfortunate that when you turn on CNN all this week, who'd you see every night doing some town hall meeting? Nancy Pelosi. No, I... Nancy Pelosi, who's um, – I don't know that she's the best spokesperson anymore for the Democratic I think Nancy Pelosi is a great – leader. And one of the wonderful things about Diane Feinstein declaring again mm-hmm. is that she makes Nancy look useful. useful. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it, I know she raises all that money and I know she, she gets health care through and I know uh, she's tough and all that kind of stuff. She's not a good spokesperson on television for the Democratic this Party. This is true. And in defense of Nancy Pelosi, I mean, I get invited to give talks to the Democratic caucus meeting once in a while. She's a terrific leader. And that's that's really difficult. But yeah, at some point, yeah. Give it you up. get too old and somebody well, it's else... Not, it's not just that she's too old. It's that it's it sort of represents 
Like San Francisco and Brooklyn yeah, are the two leaders, exactly. not exactly. And women. Well, she's a woman, but I happen to like women. Well, so do I. And <laughs> let me just say one yeah, other thing. This, yeah. I get into more fights with my feminist friends about Elizabeth Warren. Uh, I think Elizabeth Warren's the best natural progressive politician I've seen since Bobby Kennedy. Really? Ooh. Yes, I think she has a narrative account of the life of regular people that connects that to how the rules are rigged. She does it better than anybody. I think this stuff about, oh, she's shrill, that's sexist, by the way, and Harvard Law professor, she's a single mom from Oklahoma who did it the hard way, and she knows how to talk that talk. And I have feminist friends, I will not name them, who say, "Mm, after Hillary, we need a white guy from the Midwest. You can name him when you come back next time. That is crapola. Uh, I mean, just just because Hillary screwed the pooch doesn't mean... (laughs) Doesn't mean go. that it's spoiled for other women candidates. Amen. Okay, Thanks Robert for having me, guys. Thank you, Robert Thank Kuttner. you very much. Robert Kuttner Read is co-founder American and Prospect. co-editor of The American Prospect. He's professor at Brandeis University's Heller School, <laughs> and his forthcoming book is Can Democracy Survive Global Capitalism? Coming up. Oh, Bob Kuttner, thank you very much Cheers. for coming in. Pleasure. Coming up, the wrath of grapes. Jonathan also at the Boston Wine School gives us a lowdown on the wildfires and what it may mean for the California wine country. He's next on 89.7 WGBH, Boston Public Radio. You know that interview you just heard? Only on Boston Public Radio can you hear conversations like that every day, commercial-free. Instead, we ask you to step up and show your support every now and then. So pitch in at WGBHnews.org or call 888-897-9424. Okay, you just heard the number 888-897-9424. It is 1.30. We have a half hour left in our show, Boston Public Radio. If you are inclined to provide uh, some help here at WGBH, we really really love it. Our money does not come mostly from the government, as people think. It mostly comes from listeners like you. And we really appreciate that you listen, and we really appreciate uh, any contribution you could make. And as always, we have enticements. Today is this cute little orange uh, speaker. It's the size of a golf ball. It is really cool. Bluetooth. Use it with any Bluetooth-enabled device. Switch it on. Your phone and the tablet finds it, and it gives great sound. That's 10 bucks a month sustainer or 120 bucks in one fell swoop. The number again, 888-897-9424, wgbhnews.org. I would like to thank John from Arlington, Marjorie, and Marsha from Worcester. Marsha from Worcester said, love thoughtful conversations, and uh, uh, I can't read this, and good and something. Uh, uh, oh, and goofiness, actually. That's pretty good. Thank you for that. Uh, Melina, I hope I got the right. Love Jim, Marjorie, and the guests. So do we, actually, the guests I'm talking about. Thank you, Melina. And Stella from Medford, Jim and Marjorie, best news program on the radio, Marjorie. Ooh, oh, I love that. Stella, send your number. Marjorie will call you. Uh, we really appreciate all that. We really appreciate you taking the time to make contributions, which is a commitment to a radio station that we are committed to in a really deep way as well. It's not just the money. It's the fact that you support what we're doing by making these contributions. We know that every dollar matters, and that's why we mean it when we say, if all you can contribute is 5 bucks, we hope you will decide to do it. If you can do 150 bucks a month, $1,800 a year if you're a sustainer, that's great too. Whatever it is, the way you can show your commitment to and support for the work we and our colleagues do 
is something that matters a hell of a lot to us. Well, it also makes you feel pretty good. I remember when I was a it young does. cub reporter, not exactly cub. raking in the big bucks, and I was a huge fan of National Public Radio. I used to try to plan my driving around when I would hear my favorite shows and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I gave a few bucks because I just felt as though it was part makes of the deal. part of it. And you feel really yeah. good. You feel very generous and sort of... You know, part of the club kind of deal. It was a really neat thing. So I hope you can uh, uh, feel that way too and can give whatever you give. The mini uh, uh, Bluetooth speaker is our prize for today, and it's really rather adorable. It's I would rather say. adorable. It is. It is. Size of a golf ball. Size of a golf ball. That's right. What's Bright the number? Orange. The number is 888-897-9424-WGBHnews.org. As Jim said, we'll take a little. We'll take a lot. We'd really love to have it in the next half hour because we're off the air in the next half hour, and we do get special points for any contributions <laughs> made during Boston points. Public Radio. Thank you very much. Welcome back to Boston Public Radio. Jim Browdy, Marjorie, with Napa, Sonoma, and Santa Rosa, California in flames. Those images are horrible. What does this mean for wine country and the wine industry and the people who work in it? Joining us to talk about this and other news of the vine is Jonathan Alsop. Jonathan, of course, is the founder of the Boston Wine School. Jonathan, we haven't seen you in a while. Great to see you. Hello, Jim. Hello, Marjorie. Hello, Jonathan. You know, it is really awful. You know, we have Houston, and then we've got, you know, Puerto Rico and Maria and all the Caribbean, all the you know, the rainforest and all the terrible thing, and now we've got this horrible fires in, in, in California. I heard this it, incredible story about the people jumping in the pool to escape the flames that devoured their house. And every time they came up to breathe, they were burned. They went back down underwater. It's like craziness. So what does this mean? Well, I mean, right now, because, um, you know, this is wine country. We think about it in terms of what it means for wine country and this national treasure. But um, I mean, this is the, this is a breaking story. This is an unfolding story. This is day four of these wildfires. Still burning. Um, so this morning I was on the phone with, um, and I think you've had uh, actually Brett on the show, Brett Van Kosky from 90 Plus Sellers, Boston oh, yes, Company. Yes, yes, yes. On we the phone with Brett, got a lot, he's got a lot of people, got some people working out there, and um, he said very aptly, you know, it's it's like, you know, it's like a hurricane, but it's like a hurricane that never ends. You know, it doesn't have a beginning. It doesn't have a middle. It doesn't have an end. It just sort of seems to rest a little bit at night and then come back alive during the day. So how um, bad is this for the industry? And I mean, uh, well right I mean right now the focus is on, you know, like saving people's lives and you know, we're not really even getting good reports now yet about, you know, which wineries have been damaged, which vineyards have been lost. Uh, we we don't really know that yet, but it's I mean, we've seen we've all seen the pictures, we've all seen it, it's bad. Um, one thing I wanted to say is if you want, um, uh, there's a link up on our, uh, Boston Wine School Facebook page. You just search for Boston Wine School. Um, it's up there and it's different ways that you can help, uh, these oh, wine country, uh, wildfires. Well, it's only, sli- I mean, it's only slightly contained and, you know, this is not over yet. This is, this is well, not even, this is maybe the beginning of the storm. Not just that so. it's not over yet. It's what we're learning with all this climate disruption. Uh, you know, we've had more huge hurricanes in a row than mm. any season, I think, in 100 years, I read this morning. And and because of all the, the, the droughts and the unpredictability, yeah. this could be the new normal for California wine country. We're not doing anything to make this less likely to happen next year, obviously. Uh, well, this I mean, this is all weirdly – This all first of all, it f- feels all f- as if it isn't bad enough. It also feels weirdly apocalyptic. Yeah, it does. As well. It's like these people just people feel like they're being stalked by these fires in some way. Yeah. So we um, uh, obviously, but, I mean, you're a much more uh, 
compassionate soul than we are. We're talking about an industry. You're talking about humans. Well, and obviously, no, we care about them too. But, but that obviously there's going to be some dramatic impact. Mm. Uh, we don't know what it's going to be, and of course. But at the same time, and this is not because of fires, we're reading that the wine harvest from the EU from well, yes. is down to, what, a 36-year low? What's that a function so, of? So this, so, this is, so this is also bad news, not nearly as relentlessly bad as NAFTA and Sonoma, but also is uh, the reports that um, uh, the European wine harvest is down 14, 18-plus percent in places. It's a 36-year uh, low for in climate terms related of yield. reasons too. Extreme uh, weather, they're you know, saying. What, hailstorms, droughts, ha- what, hard frost. What, you know, exactly. What what happened? Is, you know, grapes are very very hardy, but they're also super vulnerable at certain points. And what you had in Europe last spring was hail, freezing rain, unexpected frosts at the worst possible time, right? While the grapes were flowering, and so they were really damaged six months ago mm-hmm. by this sort of unexpected cold snap and crazy cold weather. But, you know, it's just, it's, it's you know, like yet another, uh, yet another piece of bad news for, um, uh, for the wine world. So does this mean, uh, let me be crass just <clears throat> one more time that I will end the, uh, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the crassness. I like crass. No, but it is crass. Obviously, there's going to be some economic impact on the consumer from what happens out of California, which is not our first concern. Let me say that. There's obviously uh, an impact if the if the harvest is mm-hmm. at a 36-year low, then obviously there's less of it. It's going to cost more money. How soon are we going to see, I assume, fairly dramatic price increases? We are, yes? I think we're going to see some uh, price increases from Europe that are um, – I mean, European – Wine, wine prices for European wines have been going up over the years um, as as it is. And I think that we're going to see uh, relatively soon, you know, probably six months, maybe eight months from now, an increase in, you know, because of this real uh, 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 lack of supply out of um, – out of Europe, yeah. I mean, we have you know we have several years of stock, you know, in mm-hmm. inventory. So it's kind of a the impact will be real, but it'll be in you know agricultural time. You know, it'll be distributed over a couple of three years of of existing stock. So can we? Can we? You brought something. Can we post to our brothers and sisters? You know, who are suffering we? in these vineyards around but, the world. You know, well, you that's know, a great idea. I Thank was you. thinking is that you look at these vineyards, and these are obviously trees that take a while uh, to, to grow. They're not just going to come I mean, back. It's not short-term pain. Yeah. Right. It, 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 it's it's going to be years for these vineyards, I would assume, right? I well, mean, how, vineyards... how mature do these plants have to get before they start yielding grapes? You know, the vineyards are vineyards are nice. relatively are relatively hardy. And one of the things that we th- and one of the things that people are reporting, one of the things we think we're seeing in photographs is that in some ways the vineyards are acting as fire breaks. You know, there's not a lot of flammable material on a vineyard. They're very, you know, they're they're wa- they're irrigated. Yeah. Um, they're very carefully planted. There's not a lot of underbrush to catch fire. I don't know if this is just wishful thinking on people's uh, part, but we think we're seeing a little bit that these vineyards, you know, the edges are getting burnt. But you know, there's there's nothing in them really to catch fire. Oh, good. Um, 
so they can be damaged by fire. I mean, it depends on where the vineyard is. If it's a, if it's a new vineyard that's in a really, um, you know, my nephew uh, and his uh, partners have just planted a vineyard out there, and it's the first couple. You know, it's the first year. Oh, you know, so those grapes are in a really super fragile state. If it's like thirty year old vineyard, those <laughs> those those grapes are relatively hardy and. You know, I mean, who knows about the buildings? You know, the the buildings and the and the rest of of wine country. What will become of it? But, what are we drinking? Um, so, um, you know, one of the so one of the things about wine is it always comes back. It's very very resilient, and this is a grape that has been in the wilderness for a while. And now I don't know how these things happen. Maybe it's just the zeitgeist. But now this grape is back, and this grape is uh, Merlot. Delicious. So coming into this year and the new year, Merlot is the new um, comeback grape. What are we drinking in particular? And so this is a French Merlot. It's a Chateau Clos Saint Anne. It's a red Bordeaux, 80% uh, Merlot, 20% Cabernet. And how much are we spending for it? $15.99, $16.99, something like that. Okay, we're talking about Jonathan Alsop. We're going to all taste the wine during the break and give you a full report when we come back. Jo- Jonathan is the founder of the Boston Wine School. We're going to keep talking to him after this pledge break. You're listening to 89.7 WGBH, Boston Public Radio. It's the WGBH membership drive. Who done it? You done it. The motive: you love Boston Public Radio. The means: whatever you feel you can contribute. The opportunity: right now. Call 888-897-9424 or give discreetly online at wgbhnews.org. Okay, so here's the deal. This little orange uh, Bluetooth speaker is the what do you call this? Prize gift gift. I don't know what it is. Whatever it is, if you give $10 a month or 120 bucks in one pop, you will get something that ordinarily costs $180, which is this fabulous Bluetooth-enabled device. It's a speaker, and you'd find, as Marjorie said repeatedly, it's the size of a golf ball, which makes it unbelievable that the sound is so dynamic and big. It's really, it's really terrific. And you can get it by calling 888-897-9424 or wgbhnews.org and uh, pledging that Amount and as I've said before, and we mean this: if you say to yourself, "Well, I can't afford that much," then don't give that much. Give what you can afford and are comfortable with. It means a lot to us. And if you can afford more, then probe into your inner something or other and decide to uh, to do that. Do you want to talk into probing into your inner something? I shouldn't have said everything healing? I said. I know I don't want to do psychological. I shouldn't have talked about probing either because <laughs> you talk about that a lot and it's okay. inappropriate on the radio. Okay. But you know what I mean. Okay. Search your soul, I guess. Search your, search your pocketbook. Seek some whatever. psychological healing. Okay, fine. That's what happens okay, when you good. get that little Move Bluetooth on. speaker. Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, I want to give a special thanks to Mary from Haverhill. She says she, she loves. She probed her soul. She, she told did. me. She <laughs> called me last night. She said she's probing she her soul. Did. She's been go probing ahead. all afternoon. Okay, go ahead. And she loves Jim and Marjorie in Greater Boston. Thank you. Thank Edith you. is doing Ooh. a lot of probing out in Needham, and so is <laughs> Jeff in South Dartmouth. South Dartmouth is a particularly lovely place. <laughs> to Not probe. only to probe and to psychologically heal. Okay. Beautiful views of the ocean and all that. That kind uh, of stuff. Okay, we really appreciate uh, you guys uh, <laughs> donating. It means a lot to us. It really, really does. I'm making a joke here, but it does really. You know what it does? It gives me psychological healing. That's what it does. In all seriousness, I know you're making fun of me. I chose the wrong words. Does it not feel great when you get to read the names of people who've taken time yes. out of their day, yes. taken money out of their bank account to support what we and our colleagues do? Is that not incredibly uplifting? And when to I you? hear from our colleagues that a lot of people called and and donated, that makes me feel really good. It's so huge. It's really. If you're worried about my psychological state. 
safe. And then, you know, do the, do the right all thing. We Do the right thing between now and two, because it's been really fragile of late. I'm a little jittery. Anyway, the number is 888-897-9424-WGBHnews.org. Again, this little the gift, it goes up to 180 bucks at 7 o'clock. Uh, today it's a great deal for 120 or 10 bucks a month and even if you got nothing there was no gift if you love what we do which we hope you do and we we love what our colleagues do then please support us in any way you can 10 bucks a month 121 pop gets you this 888-897-9424 or wgbhnews.org Welcome back to Boston oh, Public Radio. Sorry, I was... Okay, go ahead, Jim. Uh, uh, you can actually. Why don't you do it once? Welcome back. Let's see how you do. Welcome it back then. to Boston Public Radio. We are talking to Jonathan Alsop, oh, the founder of the Marjorie. Boston Wine School. It is amazing that when Jim is on vacation, I actually can do this all by myself. <laughs> it's really something. Anyway, we talk, well, Jared, well, Jared, oh, Jared, Jared, I mean, Jared Jared's helps. Pretty good. Ja- oh, well, I, mean. I don't do it all by myself. I do it without Jim. <laughs> I, you know, he, even though he texts me to, to point out everything I need I'm to trying do. Trying to help you out. Anyway, yeah, can I going. bring up a topic since you started? Let me bring up the first topic. Okay. This whole Trader Joe's thing and this state oh. law thing is driving me out of my mind. <laughs> the Trader Joe's that most – I live in Cambridge, so I go to the one on Memorial right. Drive – is no longer – I think it was October 1st – selling liquor. Why? I mean uh, beer and wine. Why? Because a business in this state – talk about an antiquated law – is only allowed – I think it's seven liquor licenses yes. in the whole company. I think it's gone up mm-hmm. to nine at some point. And as a result, since they opened a new store much closer to GBH, by the way, in Alston – it's in Alston, right? Or is it Brighton? Brighton, wherever it is, down the block on Western Ave uh, – uh, since they wanted to transfer that license there, they had a transfer. It is ridiculous. Why do people – I'm not? serious. People like you, Mr. Boston Wine School, yes. why do you and your colleagues not go to the legislature and say, this is like the 1920s? It's ridiculous. Well, right now, in fact, um, and for the last probably 60 or 90 days, uh, there have been hearings. We haven't really heard a lot. We haven't really heard a lot about them, but there have been hearings about reforming um, alcohol, uh, alcohol beverage uh, regulation. Yeah. By the way, the governor's um, with us on the 19th. I reform. promise you we will ask the governor where he stands Great. on these issues. Great. Fanta- fantastic. I mean, it really is, in some ways, a modernization issue. Um, it's a deregulation issue. A lot of these um, rules, you know, the, 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 the rule that a, that a company, you know, a company like you know, a stop and shop or, or star market. You know, if they wanted to sell wine in their stores, they would only be able to do it in seven That's of ridiculous. their stores. And it's what is the just, implication it, that you're, we're going to have more alcoholism if there are... It used are... to be three. It used to be three, now it's seven. I mean, the arguments... There is a public health argument, which I think is a, is, is a persuasive argument and is something that we also need to... Um, um, recognize well, and show some respect Because California, for, you've been able to buy li- liquor in the liquor in the, the supermarkets for like 40 years. Or there's more alcoholics in You don't want California. your schools. You don't, I mean, there's certain things that make total sense. You don't want to sell liquor sense. in the schools, well, But the obviously. notion that adults in Cambridge cannot go to mem- – or, or people who choose to go to that store can't buy beer and wine there – because there's a company-wide it's, limit is preposterous. It's it's, they'll drive lot. a mile and go to the other store. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's a, it's it's okay. an utterly antiquated. You know, something from 1933 yeah. when prohibition went away. You know, it's part of that era of legislation, and part of it is to control our access to this evil um, ethanol. Yeah. You know, part of it is to con- part, you know a lot of these a lot of these rules go back to. Um, uh, 
controls on um, organized crime families from prohibition days. A lot of them are, are, are you know, reacting to, to something that doesn't even really exist yeah, anymore. It is, it is ridiculous. Um, and they need modernization. They need deregulation. I know I, 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 I feel this every time. You know, every time I come on, I feel like I get transformed into um, a Republican free trade advocate. Well, because you know, I'm, like free, I'm like, free the grapes, deregulate, <laughs> you know, deregulate the industry. But essentially, you know, that's, what, that's really what we're talking about. Can we stay on this for one second, mm-hmm. though? Because I just got back from Seattle and Vancouver, both places have happy hour. And I, I assume I'm a hypocrite because while I'm saying it's ridiculous to have this this absurd low limit on a statewide business or, uh, for example, number of liquor licenses they can have, I'm also I'm against happy hour because at least the evidence has been clear to me mm-hmm. that that is a problem. If you can buy a drink at a pathetically low price, right. this is why Mike Dukakis implemented this thing ages ago. And I know a lot of restaurateurs don't like it. But it seems to me that being able to buy it in a retail store is a whole different kettle of fish. Am I am I wrong about that, or am I wrong? Am I wrong? No, about I just that? think it saves you a lot of trouble. You go get your groceries, you pick up the liquor that you want, and the, yeah. you know you're going to have people over for dinner Saturday night. You buy the ingredients for dinner, you buy the liquor right there. Well, our, our attitude towards wine, our attitudes towards food are changing. Yeah, and you know some of this stuff is a little disruptive because before, when when alcohol and booze and everything was locked away in package stores, that's the way it was. Now, when people go to the grocery and they're in the and they're in the seafood section they want to see some seafood wines that's a that's, that's a, a great that, point that's a big change yeah. for people and that's a real sea change in people's attitude towards these things and it's very very disruptive uh, you know it's it's like when when you know one of the things that people immediately say when we talk about online delivery and online ordering wine is people immediately say well what about the children we have no. to protect the children. What if there's a wine delivery yeah. and children well, get it? What about the grown-ups? What if children? What if children order wine on the internet? And you know, it's a first of all, it's a complete misunderstanding of how children who are interested in alcohol get alcohol. You, you know, uh, teenagers are not great uh, planners and don't really yeah. think ahead yeah. and order wine online. <laughs> you know, but it's a but it's a thing that you know. All, the only thing we have is this argument that we're going to protect the children. We're trying to see. Teenager had a couple of cases lined up yeah. in the front hall. Yeah. It's like, oh, my, I, I, I have to be home between twelve and yeah. four so that I can receive my, my expensive wine delivery. That's not really how it happens. A little bit more, as I recall, a little bit more spur of the moment yeah, sort of thing. Spur of the moment, but Impulsive. we still see we still see it through that prism. That's our argument for why we control it. And so when something new comes along, we, we still try to see that in it. So we're out of time. Can I just ask you a much more important question than mm. what we discussed? Do you have a new haircut? Do I have a new haircut? I love the look. Uh, uh, thank you. Yeah, it's kind of coming into the winter, sort of the winter cut, letting it grow out a little bit on a little bit. I really like that. Thank of, you. I think it's stunning. I think it's stunning. Are you mocking me? No, I think it's very nice. Are you guys are you guys both totally goofing on me here? No, I love the way. I can't see your hair because you're hidden behind the microphone. But I will say this: it's psychologically healing. That's what I would say about that hairdo. You're welcome, Jonathan. It's great to see you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for the wine. Okay. Enjoy it. We are done. Thank you very much for listening. Jonathan Alsop, thank you. He, Jonathan joins us regularly. He's the founder of the Boston Wine School. Uh, uh, and thank you for the delicious wine. Tune in tomorrow or join us live at the Boston Public Library for our Friday news quiz. Callie Crossley will join us. Emily Rooney with her famous list of fulminations, fixations and our tech writer, Andy Anako. want to thank our crew, Chelsea Murrs, Amanda McGowan, Tori Bedford, Jason Tereski, Molly Boygon, Christina Bieni, and our engineer, John the Claw Parker. We are a production of 
WGBH. I watched your show last night, Jim, and I was riveted beginning think? to end, and I'm very excited about uh, your show tonight. Please tell us what's going to be well, on Well, first of all, I asked you a few questions on the air about it. You didn't know the answer, so I would suggest you watch a little more closely tonight because <laughs> they have pretty good I mean, I do. Uh, I told you it was a bathroom break. Tell you the truth, I can't remember what we have. I think what we're doing, no, actually, we're doing a book that's a fabulous book, the name, which is Shame Nation. I, th- I think it's, it's talking about cyberbullying, and it's not only talking about the worst of cyberbullying, it actually has solutions or at least ways you can hopefully minimize the risk and that sort of thing. We're also going to do Browdy's Believe It or Not, which sort of became a feature last week. Did you know that? I did not. Well, apparently. Every Thursday we do some things that are absolutely incredible to believe in the news. I don't mean these crappy little things. I mean things that actually matter to people. We're doing that and some other stuff, none of which I can remember. Browdy's Believe It or Not. But I will by 7 o'clock, so tune in. Nice alliteration there. Fine, thank you. I am Marjorie Egan. I would be Jim Browdy. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please tune in tomorrow and have a wonderful afternoon. If you listen to Boston Public Radio three hours a day, that's 15 hours a week, 60 hours a month, and 720 hours a year. Maybe it's time you pitched in. Call 888-897-9424 or give online at wgbhnews.org. And the most important part of WGBH's operating budget comes from listener contributions. That's how public radio works, so please become a sustaining member during our fall membership drive by calling 888-897-9424 or giving online at wgbhnews.org. I'm Andy Hicks here with Darren Winkle. And when you make a contribution of $10 a month as a WGBH sustainer, a one-time contribution of $120, we're going to say thank you today with our mini Bluetooth speaker as our way of saying thank you and your symbol of support for great radio here on WGBH. This is a special offer. Uh, It ends at 7 p.m. tonight, but right now is your last chance to support BPR and take advantage of this offer. So I hope you'll do that right now with that contribution at 888-897-9424 or online at WGBHnews.org. We have an immediate goal. We have to receive 12 contributions in the next seven minutes. Meeting that goal will help us stay on track for the membership drive. Please give $10 or $15 a month on the sustainer plan and be one of those 12, 11 now people that we need to hear from in the next uh, just under seven minutes, 888-897-9424 or WGBHnews.org. And when you contribute to WGBH, you're showing your support for the type of journalism you want, like coverage of the economy that actually explains what is going on, or political reporting that doesn't settle for just giving you the us versus them spin, and international coverage from reporters who aren't just flown in for the latest disaster, but actually live in the region they cover. NPR and WGBH bring you the serious, in-depth journalism that you demand, and your support makes all of that possible. So please do your part right now, 888-897-9424 or WGBHnews.org. Support WGBH at $10 a month. We'll say thanks with a mini Bluetooth speaker. By the way, this is uh, the last chance you have to support both Jim and Marjorie and pick up this Bluetooth speaker. The deal goes till 7 p.m., $10 a month for this uh, incredible, incredible device that packs a lot of sound, fits inside your pocket or your purse, and it's about the size of a golf ball, but there's a lot of audio that comes out of this thing. Again, this is your last chance to support Jim and Marjorie and pick up this Bluetooth speaker, though the deal does go till 7. We hope you'll make that call as soon as possible. 888-897-9424, 888-897-9424, or wgbhnews.org. 
And the great news is we're hearing from across New England in support of WGBH and Boston Public Radio, but we haven't heard from you. Please do your part in the next couple of minutes here to make sure we stay on track with our hourly goals. We are down to needing six contributions in the next five minutes uh, to make sure that we stay on track during this drive. Do it as a WGBH sustainer, $10, $20, $30 a month. You decide the amount. It's the best way to contribute. Uh, you sign up. It's very easy. Just a little bit of information, your contact information, how you want to pay for that. And you can do that all right now at 888-897-9424 or WGBHnews.org. And again, that goal right now, six people to hear from in just the next uh, five minutes or so. That's thanks to people like Donna in Worcester and Dana in Marion and Richard in Warwick, Rhode Island, who reminded us to slow down and we say that number so just for you sir 888-897-9424 wgbhnews.org we get a little bit excited here that's because we do only have about four minutes left to reach that goal that critical goal please make that call as soon as you possibly can uh thank you so much if you have given but we'd still love to hear from you that's right do that right now and we will say thank you when you make a contribution of ten dollars a month as a wgbh sustainer or a one-time contribution of $120. We will say thank you with that uh, mini Bluetooth speaker. Great dynamic sound in a small package about the size of a golf ball. It's orange with the WGBH logo on it. And it's not only a great device for you to enjoy listening to WGBH or your favorite music, it's also a symbol of your support for great radio here on WGBH. Do your part right now, and then you can take great pride every time you tune into WGBH, 888-897-9424 or WGBHnews.org. That's right. Becoming a sustaining member to WGBH is a great way to support the station. It only takes a few minutes to set up. Five, ten, or twenty dollars. Again, ten dollars for that Bluetooth speaker. It's automatically charged to your credit card. Very affordable. You pay just a little bit each month, and that monthly contribution adds up to significant support for the news on WGBH. Enrolling is incredibly easy. 888-897-9424. Or you can set up your sustaining membership online at WGBH. WGBHnews.org. Oh, and this is coming right down to the wire. We've got just uh, less than three minutes left. We've got four contributions to go. We're going to do this with your help. And a reminder that if you're on the phone or you're starting that pledge online, your gift counts towards this hourly goal. So please be the one to put us over the top right now. Uh, We've got those four contributions left. You can make a big, big difference right now at 888 897-9424 or WGBHnews.org. And don't forget about that special offer we have going on today until 7 p.m., $10 a month. Support the station uh, with just a gift of $10 a month as a sustainer. We'll say thanks with the mini Bluetooth speaker. It has the lovely WGBH logo right on the side of it. Great way to show off your support and pack a lot of sound out of your smartphone, your uh, tablet, or your laptop. This is your last chance to pick up that Bluetooth speaker and support Jim and Marjorie during this drive. Do both at the same time in one fell swoop if you can. 888-897-9424. Oh, and we are right down against the wire. We've got one contribution left. You can be the one to make us, uh, keep us on track during this important goal. Go to the phone right now, 888-897-9424 and thanks.